0: You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us.
1: Stain, effort and violence—you play your ass off. Find out when the cannons explode
0: from the to the You're watching the Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members. We take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys.
1: Here it is a first down.
2: Pirates! Welcome in to the Sports Objective, our Pirate Preview, right here on a beautiful Tuesday evening no matter where you are. I'm sure with us right now from China Grove, ladies and gentlemen, producer, he does it all, the glue of TSO, Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, man? What's
1: going on, Dave? Um, you know, excited to talk some pirate football as always. And this weekend, the Pirates are headed down to New Orleans to take on the Tulane Green Wave. And i excited to talk to Corey about um, the tremendous product they have down there in New Orleans and um, the, the game he got to call out at Houston last Friday night.
2: No doubt about it. And by the way, uh, Matt Simmons as we bring Matt Simmons in, and I don't know if Corey knows this, being a baseball guy, but uh, we have breaking news. Aaron Judge just hit a 60-second home run, uh, so he he beat the AL record. of uh, Roger Mears has been a record for many years, so um, big deal. Dave, there. I, I know
1: Corey was very fired up following that, as I saw on social media, as was I.
2: Yeah, you're very excited, right? About as exciting as Corey Gore calling a sailing championship for Tulane. Not um, yet. Not yet. They've, they've won a championship. I've not called it yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. Maybe Maybe Corey, one day. That
3: would be unbelievably impressive, Corey. So, uh, hey, you never know what the future holds, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, if they ask, I'll, I'll give it a go. I mean, I have a lot to study up on when it comes to that. But, but the national champion sailing program here at Tulane.
2: So, if they... They require my services. I'm I'm at the ready. I think that uh I think that you should do it because how many people out there will really know that you're how you're calling if it's right or wrong? I mean, the sailing championship.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a valid point. I, I realize with, with kind of niche sports like that, the followers of that sport tend to be very, very dedicated and so if you do screw something up it's going to be a small group but boy will you hear about it so i mean uh, it it would it would require some some number crunching and a lot of studying to uh, make sure i get things right i've i've been i did a couple of volleyball matches here this year already on television and volleyball is not my forte um but studied crunched watched some tape went to some practices talked to
2: coaches and Called the sport. So, you know, if sailing comes my way, then sailing comes my way. That means Corey Glor is going to be drinking a lot of coffee, staying up. It's like studying for a fire. I already do. I already drink a lot of coffee, Dave. Okay. All right. So it's just a matter of studying for that thing. Let's talk about football. Very impressed, obviously. Uh, We have been for a long time with Coach Fritz, but man, Tulane has really turned it on this year.
4: It's been great to see. I know I joined you boys over the summer and how there was a pretty strong understanding from everyone around the program and most especially Willie Fritz that last year was an aberration and you know there's still plenty of room to run here this year but Saturday will mark the midway point once that game's over of this season and I mean to say they are wildly better than what this thing was last year is a massive understatement. I mean, it's you know, I know, I think folks in, in Greenville are thinking they're you know about three or four plays away from being five and zero. Well, we think probably the same here. I mean, maybe two plays away from being five and zero, and and maybe with how things have transpired with some of the opponents that this team has had this year, maybe ranked. Like, I mean, that's that's where this topic has been here around this now maybe I I think that's probably a little bit too early both what Kansas State's done um who knows but they're starting to get votes now they're trying to block that out um the way that they have performed so far this year has been um really thrilling to watch and especially after the bad taste that last year left to see it all I mean Completely wiped away. Someone asked Willie Fritz today in the media availability, what does it mean to have doubled the win total already from last year? And he said, I didn't realize that until you just told me that. Um, And so, yeah, they've doubled the win total five weeks into this year. Um, And there's still now many, many bigger goals um, for this team that I think now, you know, week to week is, you know, that's the sport, but, you know, they're not unrealistic, with how this team has looked the first five weeks of the year.
1: Yeah, Corey, cool. you talk about the Green Wave's body of work. Uh, you began the year um, with a couple of blowout wins at home, um, honestly games that you expected to win in that fashion. And then you went on the road. You mentioned that win over K-State. So if you would um, you know, reflect on that and you know, tell us um, how that transpired. And I know um, Willie Fritz really um, put it out there in the, in the last – you know, few minutes or waning seconds of that game, going for it uh, there to um, to ice it against K-State. And then tell us about the puzzling loss to Southern Miss, a game in which the Green Wave outgained the Golden Eagles in New Orleans by a couple hundred yards. And then you bounced back and uh, found a way to go on the road to Houston, a team that had played a ton of close games. And uh, you won at TDECU Stadium with a third-string quarterback.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Manhattan, and that was all defense. Like, that was all defense. And as we've seen now over the last couple of weeks from Kansas State, how difficult it is to bring those skill players down. Just ask Oklahoma about that and what Adrian Martinez now looks like and Deuce Vaughn looks like in the backfield, and Texas Tech just fell victim to this. Over the weekend, if you don't get them right away, then you're not going to get them. And Tulane was getting them like they were getting them. And Vaughn was bottled up considerably. He did not crack a hundred yards, which was the first time in eight games he had not reached the hundred yard total. I mean, this this defense was flying, and it was confusing Kansas State. Um, held them to one for five on fourth down, and then the play you alluded to, Bubba, after they took the lead. They force a three and out, and then they you know are ready to punt it away again with two minutes left from their own twenty-four, and it's fourth and about six inches, and they said, Now nah, let, let's let's go for it. Let's kill this game right here, right now. And Michael Pratt fumbled the snap and he still was able to pick it up and push it forward for the first down. And Willie Fritz said after the game it was um if you don't pick up that fourth down, you still have a seventy-four percent chance of winning the game. That's what his metrics, his analytics said. If you pick it up, it's a hundred percent. And so that was a pretty easy call for him when, when all was said and done. And then the the game at Southern or against Southern Miss the next week. I mean, it, it can boil down to this: Tulane had a kick, uh, a field goal blocked, a field goal missed, and a punt blocked and that resulted in 13 points for USM, and that's a three-point final. Um, as it turns out, um, one of the, you know, I think injuries are going to be talked about here in a second uh, on this show, but um, the tight end Will Wallace, who has kind of gone about his business, doesn't get a lot of highlights, doesn't get a lot of focus, uh, he did not play in that game, and not only was he missed blocking offensively, but he is the wing blocker on all kicks on the right side. And every single block came from the right side um, that USM had. It, It was an absence that I don't think this team expected to be as large as it turned out to be, but it was hard not to point at that. And a true freshman had to play in that spot. And you're also talking about the former offensive coordinator here at Tulane, who is the head coach at Southern Miss and knows that offensive personnel because he brought most of them in and knew their tendencies and knew how to delay blitzes to cause trouble for Michael Pratt and knew how to bottle up Tajay Spears by and large. And suddenly both tight ends were out of that game. And one of the big wide receivers for this team was out of the game. And so um, it, it, it kind of all culminated into a pretty infuriating loss that was not so much planning. It was just, it was just poor execution. And that's why, you know, the, the term letdown can be thrown around with a game like that. And it really wasn't with that one because you're right. They outgained them by 200 something yards. I mean, they, they moved the ball well until they hit the red zone um, and then they couldn't execute. So it wasn't necessarily like they were flatlined in that game. They just made mistakes. And those those are easily clean upable. Those you can fix quicker than a plan being wrong. And that brings us to Houston. Um, And those mistakes weren't there. Um, Now they missed a chip shot field goal at the very start. And now there is some question about who's good. The field goal kicker is going to be now moving forward. Um, But they didn't make the same mistakes that they did against Southern Miss. And the defense carried the day until they needed to drive down the field. And they got to drive together. And then they let Houston chose to go first in overtime and they took advantage of that and suddenly they're four and one. And so it's, yeah, it really is. You, you clean up blocking on special teams two weeks ago and you're five and up like it. And, and the whole, you know, the discussion about this team is a little bit stronger and the focus is a little bit more now, you know, you still have it. You just won a, a thrilling game on national television. Um, but you know, there's still work to go here for this team. But what happened two weeks ago was fixed, and that was um, a huge boon for this team.
1: Yeah, I knew in glancing at that game that uh, when I saw that the Green Wave, I think, lost the turnover battle just by by only a single turnover. That uh, that it had to be special teams and/or red zone was. Well, and the, the turnover was a pick six. And
4: so yes. like, there you go. Um, and so you you get a punt blocked in your own territory that leads to a field goal. Um, but right before that, USM pin you to your own two and you couldn't move off of that. You flip it back and Southern Miss scored off of that. You miss a field goal that turned into a touchdown. Your blocked field goal turned into a field goal. I mean, so it's just like it again, three plays are the difference between four and one and five and oh.
2: And Corey, with uh, you, you read my mind because I was going to ask you about that very fact. When the coach of Southern Miss used to be at Tulane, um, that was the only thing I could think of, and and I didn't think it was a letdown. I was that was my when I saw the score. I said that very thought of it had to be because he knew the players and he probably knew a lot about Tulane more than what maybe Tulane would would want.
4: Yeah, and it it wasn't just that the fact that Will Hall was the OC here. I mean, it was the the two defensive coordinators are really good friends, and they have um, similar styles. And the two special teams coordinators coached together at Georgia. I mean, there were so many ties in that game between those two teams. And on top of that, it's a huge rivalry game. And so there was there was a lot swirling around that night. And again, it, it wasn't due to just being caught off guard. It wasn't due to having a poor plan put in place. It was, you couldn't block a, a right side rush on kicks like that. That was the difference. And, um, and here we are instead of five and zero, and maybe uh, certainly on the outskirts of the top 25, or maybe even in the top 25, you have a couple of votes and now some curiosity heading your way.
1: Before we talk about the tremendous playmaker that Ty J. Spears is, um, talk about the quarterback situation. I reference Kai Horton, the third teamer, uh, coming in and doing a tremendous job um, there in Houston. So, um, um, But I know Coach Fritz has said that Michael Pratt is going to be available this weekend against the Pirates. Yeah, he
4: thinks he will be available this weekend. I mean, they're they're going to be careful with him as the week goes, and and they'll see come Saturday. Um, it's Kai Horton is the third stringer, and as last week went along, it became clear and clear that they didn't think Michael was going to be able to go, and so Justin Ibeeta was ready to be the guy. Um, and then he had a heck of a drive against Houston. Like he put, he put together a, a really great first possession and then he lowered his shoulder into a defender, tried to kind of truck stick him, Uh, and that was it. It was the, it was the exact same thing Ibietta did last year that suffered that caused him to suffer an injury. Um, and so. You know, last year as the weeks went on and there was a game that Pratt wasn't available, Kai Horton came in and started against Cincinnati um, and performed well. And then after the game, we found out that he had a broken finger during the game and still played pretty dang well against what would be a playoff team. And so he wasn't caught off guard by suddenly being needed. Yeah, it went a little bit differently this year as it, as opposed to last year, um, but he has already been in this spot, and so him being thrown in one drive into the game against Houston, yeah, of course he needed to settle in a little bit. But he wasn't wide-eyed about it; he wasn't freaked out about anything. Um, and so, you know, he, you know, the numbers are the, you know, don't blow you away. There's no question. But when he needed to make a play, boy, did he ever! And two of the touchdown throws that he put together. The first one he had and then the last one in overtime were special, were really special throws, throws that, you know, I'm not sure any other quarterbacks on this team are really kind of capable of making with their skill sets. And so it's a a really calm, laid back Texas boy um, who was not phased by being in a road environment against a team that has been very difficult to beat and, and was the preseason conference favorite and you're on national television. It just didn't matter to him. And so he was able to take deep breaths, gain the trust of his teammates. And when he needed to put the drive together, he put the drive together. And so now that, you know, whatever happens here on Saturday and moving forward with whomever the quarterback will be here for Tulane, um, they feel they're in still pretty good hands, even if Horton needs to be the guy.
1: Yeah, that's something that really stood out to me. Um, you know, besides the throws that you that you already referenced, um, the one rolling to his right that he made to the corner of the end zone—that oh, was impressive. But um, just uh, looking at the size of those guys and the way they they carried themselves, um, man, has Willie Fritz and that staff recruited well and uh, stocked the quarterback room.
4: Yeah, I mean it, Horton. What is six 2'10". He started off at about a buck eighty five when he came in as a re- as a freshman. Uh, Michael Pratt six foot three two twenty. Ivyetta six five. And so, like, yeah, they're 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 getting bigger and more, but more agile at that spot, and it allows them to be a little bit more creative with the playbook, um, even if Horton has to be in the mix now, um, they can be creative with him. And so it's, you know, they, they still won't blow you away across the line and, and across the roster in terms of their size, like East Carolina is bigger. Um, but they, they for what they are capable of doing for how they're able to recruit and lure guys here to Tulane, uh, they do a pretty dang good job. And now they're starting to get, uh, bigger across the board.
1: Talk about the way Ty J Spears is used. Um, you know, you look at him, he leads the green wave in uh, rushing attempts, I think 63 or something like that now. Um, but he, he's also a tremendous receiver. And um, doesn't he also lead the green wave in receptions?
4: Yeah, I believe you're correct here. Yep, he does with 13. Um, and, I mean, what what I asked Coach Fritz about this yesterday for the our podcast that comes out tomorrow. And I, was, and I just asked him, you know, you get the ball to your best player in the biggest moments. And he got the ball and uh, on that throw in overtime. And it was a hell of a grab. Like, I mean, that, that throw was in a tight window and that ball was tricky to nab. And that's a running back who was able to do that. And, and what, what coach Fritz says about Tajay Spears, he's not one thing. He's not another thing. He's not even two things as a running back. He's everything. Um, his, Playmaking ability in open field is hard to contain. And now over the last couple of weeks, they're starting to use him more in the passing game. It's, it's by design. It's not as though, you know, yeah, two weeks ago, I talked about no tight ends. You're down to five healthy receivers against USM. And so that became a little bit of a necessity to use Tajay as a receiver, but he's so talented that it's it's an easy option for this offense. And so it wasn't a we need to do this Friday. It was we should do this. Uh, and use him as a guy out of the backfield to grab wheel routes. There were even a couple of plays at the end of the game which he was lined up as a wide receiver, including the game-winning touchdown. Um, he was a, he was a wide right guy in the boundary. Um, and so they're being a lot more creative with him because he is as creative of a player in his skill set as you can find. Um, this is a, it's an NFL back. I mean, the size doesn't blow you away. But boy, the, the tools that he has um, are scary. And when he's healthy, and he you know, wasn't healthy until the last month of last year after blowing out his ACL in 2020. Um, and he's healthy this year. And you see what a healthy Tajay Spears means because he's as good as anybody on the field in a given day.
1: Yeah, to see that catch, and like you mentioned, the game winner there in overtime, um, to, for a running back to make that catch—a back shoulder throw—you had the half-field safety coming over, and you know, and Horton really had to put it on, on a line to Spears, and um, you know, it was really a back shoulder throw, and he did a tremendous job of adjusting and making making the catch. Uh, you, you see, very few running backs make that type of catch. Well, and it's, I mean that play has obviously gotten a lot of
4: focus here, and. Coach Fritz said that we that two probably run that play probably let's say a couple dozen times already this year um maybe even close to 50 is what he kind of told me that play that the route formation that existed there and they've never once thrown to the running back until Friday <laughs> night and that play um and, and there's there's Kai Horton right there right i mean it's, it's a Nails dude um and his little pump fake got the corner to, to shake free. And so it, it opened it up where as long as he put it where it's supposed to go, the game is over. And that's exactly what he did. And so, you know, we'll see if, if, that, uh, if that option is used moving forward on that play design. But that was the first time, and what a time for it to uh, be pulled out of the bag.
1: In addition to Spears, tell us about some of the other playmakers the Green Wave have on um, that side of the ball. I know, you have a guy like Deuce Watts and as well as some others. Yeah,
4: I mean, we talked about the tight ends. Tyreek James is the other one. He has caught some huge touchdowns for this team. He had the tying touchdown Friday night on that little shovel pitch on fourth and goal. Um, And when he left the game against Southern Miss, he left in the second half. um, You could tell, like, I mean, the the tight ends for this team are, are a lot more instrumental than you initially see when you look at the numbers. Like, they're they're kind of the key to the operation, and when they aren't out there, um, it faltered. Um, and so, Tyreek James just—he's—he's he's a good, he's the good old reliable on this team. Um, he was a leading receiver last year. Do um, you mentioned Deuce Watts, who for the first time in a long time was playing without his twin brother, fat to his ACL uh, in week two. Uh, but what's happened is that Deuce has actually put together. Um, some really great moments over the last couple of weeks, including, you know, he had the first touchdown on Friday. He made an incredible grab in that game-tying drive on third and long in Houston territory. Um, he's holding on to the ball more, and that was always the question for him. He, he would drop easy ones, and that's starting to change here in his, in his senior season. Lawrence Keys, transfer from Notre Dame, who comes back home to New Orleans. Um he is, he is key to how the pre-snap looks for this offense. He's usually the one in motion when he's on the field and pre-snap movement to try and get something crossed up defensively. And he was injured against USM too. And so they had to whittle down who that role was going to be. And you could tell it was stagnating. And so his uh, importance to this wide receiver group is pretty large because he kind of sets the stage right before the snap of who's supposed to be where, who's going to do what. Jay Wyatt, who was this team's most reliable wide receiver last year, he's come up with a couple of big grabs here already this season. Yeah, a big one in, in the final drive in regulation Friday. Um, those two guys um, are needed for this wide receiver group. And Jaquan Jackson has been around forever. Um, he's had two special teams return touchdowns already called back due to penalty, including Friday. And it was a phantom call. Um, But he is, he was nothing but injured last year and he's healthy now. And you see bursts of it when he gets the ball. Um, I'd like to see him be used more in the receiving game um, and just getting in the ball more because he can make plays in open field. Um, But that's a guy that number four to keep an eye on here on Saturday because he's, He's right there, poised to being, you know, be in the next level wide receiver. This team's looking for the, the other running back behind Tajay Spears is Iverson Celestine, a local kid who um, he runs aggressively and it's you know he doesn't get dropped behind the line much. Like he finds he finds where he needs to go and he just keeps moving forward. He's not as big of a back as a Cam Carroll who's injured right now, who is the the other guy in the one two punch before the year. Um, but, boy, does is he, is he know what to do um, and find enough room to do it. He had some fumble issues early on. Ball security is certainly like you're keeping an eye on it. But he's able to kind of drag tacklers with him, and he loses size battle a lot amongst those tacklers. But he just, he just keeps the lower body going, and he's hard to bring
1: down. I know on Friday with the quarterback situation – with Kai Horton coming into the game there midway through the first quarter, on uh, Tajay Spears lined up behind center. You know the first four games of the season when Michael Pratt was available, uh, is that something that uh, you know maybe you'll see Pratt come out of the game or, or line up at receiver and and Spears catch a snapper a few. Yeah, I mean,
4: frankly, that's regardless of who will be a quarterback Saturday. The Wildcat is, it's not a regular occurrence, but you can probably mark it down for four or five snaps and and at varying points of the field as well. They're getting a little bit longer in terms of the field position. They're trying it now. Um, they're starting to do it more around midfield, which usually it was kind of red zone and in. Now they're they're varying it up a little bit when they break out the Wildcats. So, yeah, you'll you'll see that, right? whether it's Pratt or Horton, you will see that. Um, that's just part of the playbook here for this team.
1: I figured it was with uh, Spears' playmaking ability. You know, for longtime Pirate fans going back 12 to 15 years, Dwayne Harris, uh, you know, when you had a solid quarterback in Patrick Pinckney, but you had that Change up with um, Dwayne Harris, and so uh, that's not surprising that uh, they were doing that even prior to the quarterback situation. You know, tell us about the play the offensive line, and then we'll shift over and discuss the defense. You know, they performed pretty well.
4: I mean, last year was a, a real backward step, and so there was some true competition up front this year. And what they have put together is really worked so let's let's see what uh eight sacks so far given up by this offensive line in five games um which is not a bad slip stat right there um you know that's fifth in the conference top 50 in the country um and so yeah you have veteran and Joey Claybrook in the left tackle since your Hainsworth at center those guys have been around forever Rashad, Rashad Green at right tackle I think he gets overlooked a little bit he was the starter there last year and has performed really well there this year. And then the, the two new guys are at the guard spots. Prince Pines at left guard. Uh, he's been great. Uh, he transferred from Sam Houston, who played, I think the number was 22 games last calendar year because FCS went fall and then like spring semester and then fall in 2021. Uh, so he's got a lot of mileage under him and a lot of recent work, but he is. 6'5", 345, that left guard spot, um, and very little's gotten through him. And then Kanan Ray at right guard, transfer from Colorado. Um, the couple of Colorado transfers are on this team, and as we've seen over the weekend, there are reasons why guys have left Colorado. Um, but but Kanan, um, he's another guy that's kind of quietly done the job needed to at right guard. Um, the, the right side of the line doesn't get a ton of focus unless he gets blown up. Um, But those two, Ray and Green, uh, have done Yeoman's work over there. I'm interested to see if Caleb Thomas works his way back in here. He was the starting guard last year on the right side, but was injured in camp. Seen a little bit of him here in the early going. Uh, Fascinating to see if he he starts working his way back in more regularly. Uh, But those five names up front have done a really good job.
1: Shifting over and taking a look at the defense, and we'll come back to the defensive line, but I want to start with the linebackers because I know Mike Houston today at his weekly press conference as well as some of the Pirate players uh, really raved over the, the linebacking core that the Green Wave have. And um, and I know they were just saying that is is very similar to that of NC State, which is extremely high praise because you have, um, you know, a few guys that are considered to be NFL draft picks in the future.
4: Nick Anderson, who is the defensive player of the week this week, and the second time he's won this award already this year, um, you know, career high tackles Friday with 14, and then he had the the forced fumble in the third quarter that led to the scoop and score that was, was Charles Tillman esque. I mean, that that punch on Clayton Tune was textbook. Um, he's just, I mean, everything about him um, is it's it's irreplaceable. Um, and when he got hurt last year, he missed the East Carolina game last year. Um, and when he wasn't on the field for three weeks, boy, did this defense take a nosedive. Like he he is everything to this group. Heart, soul, leads by example, leads off the field. He, he's everything. Like he is that guy. And he's you know you said yeah, he's an NFL guy. He's only five eleven. I mean, but that speaks to. What he is able to do on a game-by-game basis, where he is undersized for that position, but I mean, what what do we got here? One tackle for loss that seems small, pass breakup, force fumble, one he's blocked a kick already this year, um, and he's got thirty tackles. Um, he's uh, it's it's hard. To, uh, you run out of adjectives for him. Like I mean, he is that impressive to watch and then dorian williams alongside him um this is your nfl body like this is your nfl looking linebacker you got 6'2, 230 um and he's i mean he has had an unreal year like i mean it's like when nfl scouts are in town they're watching him first like and, and he's got 37 tackles under his belt he got dwarfed with just 11 tackles friday i mean it's i mean He doesn't miss when he goes after you. Like, I mean, he's that guy. And his ability to fill gaps against running games, his ability to track down receivers for a guy his size is frightening. Um, These two linebackers are mobile. They're agile. They're quick. And they know where they need to be. Um, I mean, it's been a a calling card of this program over the years. The linebackers – and the pass rushers are special, and these two are going to be some of the best to maybe ever suit up here at Tulane. Like they're they're that good.
1: Tell us about the other two levels of the defense and the defensive line, and also the secondary. Yeah, it's uh, I'll start up front, uh, and I think that
4: the biggest thing that's happened up there is actually right before the season, the starting nose tackle got it hurt, Adonis Frilo and it tore his ACL, and so he's out for the year. And Eric Hicks has come in and done a really good job there. He was a regular starter last year, but at D-tackle. Now, with the way this defense runs, there's not a a ton of difference in between the two positions, D-tackle and nose tackle. Um, But Hicks has slid over nicely as the nose. Um, Patrick Jenkins has been probably the biggest um, surprise and welcome surprise on defense. Transfers in from TCU. He's a local kid. This team and this program love bringing in guys in the transfer portal who are from new Orleans. Um, and Jenkins has come in, um, and has just been a menace in the backfield. I mean, it, to see him break through up the middle, usually it's off the edge with this defense that that breaks through, but he's been able to really cause a gap B gap power, um, and give quarterbacks hell. Like he, he was, he was in Clayton tunes kitchen a lot Friday. Um, Darius Hodges, who was the the tackle for loss leader in the league last year, has had a bit of a slow start to the year, but everyone around him has really kind of picked him up where Devin Deal came off an ACL injury, and he's had a really good start to this season. On the other side, it's been really a three-man rotation where Tylo Phillips is now the guy that's been getting Regular run, and that's a Lamar transfer. But Keith Cooper and Angel Anderson have all had pretty solid starts to the year. So it's a four-two-five front, uh, and those four have had really good marks so far this year. And then, and then the the guy in the secondary that is the the focal point to it all is making Clark. Um, he was free safety last year. He's nickel back this year. He had the play on Friday where he pushed the receiver into the running back and turned out to be the tackle, uh, against Houston. Um, I mean, his, uh, his nose for the ball is scary. He, um, he knows when a time blitzes well, um, he picks and chooses his time to, to start wreaking havoc in the backfield and he's really savvy at it. Um, Dayton Kennedy, who had the scoop and score Friday. He was the nickel last year. Now he's a true corner. Um, And he's been kind of matched up on main receivers here so far this year. We'll see how it structures this weekend when you have a couple of guys who can be called main receivers here for East Carolina. And Lance Robinson and Jarius Monroe, share time on the other side. Um, They've been decent. Monroe's a transfer from Nichols. Uh, Robinson's in his second year here. And the, the safeties, Larry Brooks is a fifth-year senior. He's got the most games under his belt of anybody on this team, and he's healthy. He was banged up a lot last year, and he it, it looks healthy. And then Lummy Young rounds things out. He transferred in from Duke. He's a fifth-year senior, too. And he's had an okay start to the year. I like to see a little bit more from Lummy, um, But that's that's your defense. It's 4-2-5 um, as it's structured. Um, and th- right now, the numbers could speak for themselves. We have the best pass defense in the country right now, still after five games. Uh, and you have a defense that is what do we have here? Um, second in the league in points allowed, eleventh in the country, um, first in the conference in total yards allowed. Like I mean, yeah, some of the competition they played early on in the year could you know lead to padding some of those numbers, but Houston isn't that Kansas state, isn't that. Um And so like this defense is, is legit like it. And it's the way it, it should have been for all of last year that took way too long to get going.
1: Yeah. Doing what they did on the road at, at K state uh, against a, a guy you know, He's doing what he's doing, uh, what he did the next week or, or a couple weeks after, whenever that was against Oklahoma, and um, then, obviously, last weekend against Texas Tech, and I'm talking about Adrian Martinez of K-State, uh, what you held into about 150 passing and about 50 rushing, which isn't bad. So um, you you referenced just a few minutes ago the, the kicking woes. You know, Lord knows the, the Pirates have, have experienced uh, their share of difficulties in that department as well. Uh, so, you know, outside of the kicking woes, you know, how the special teams been, Um, you know, East Carolina, the coverage units have been pretty good. Um, The punting game has been uh, fairly, you know, mediocre at best. And then uh, you had Malik Fleming. Um, He's shown some potential as a punt returner. Um, I mean, he's become the, um, you know, the every, every um, return, return man. Um, And I say it like that because early on in the season, you saw at least three guys catch punts for the Pirates. But uh, Malik Fleming nearly took one to the house against South Florida. It's
4: been pretty good, I would say. Um, Casey Glover is the kickoff and punter. And um, he's had very few returns against him. I think he's had two kick returns off of him in five weeks. And then punt returns, I, I don't have that number on me, but it's, it's, it's one hand. Um, and so he's been pretty solid in that role so far this year. Um, I mean the, the place kicker job, like, you know, I'll be watching at practice this week, but it's, it seems like it's back up for grabs from everything Willie Fritz said today. Uh, Esnard was the guy. Um, but then he, I mean, USM was a, a mess and then it didn't look any better against Houston. Um, and so, I'm, I don't know who will be the place kicker on Saturday. Uh, it could be Graham Dable, who's a lefty from Chicago. It could be a kid, Valentino Ambrosio, who was the starting kicker at Rutgers last couple of years, but he injured his leg in camp. And so this is actually the first week he's been back out kicking a ball. Um, and so whether it's a two-man competition or a three-man competition, uh, I don't know if that's going to be figured out until – you know, 2.30 central time on Saturday. And so, um, so, you know, that was a position battle in camp and now it's, it's back in the mix. Um, return game has been a little bit, I mean, we mentioned earlier how Jaquan Jackson has had two punt return touchdowns that have both been called back by penalty already. Um, and he's a, he can, he can absolutely bust one loose as long as guys stop holding. Um, and then, there hasn't been much to really speak of in the kick return game. and They've they've changed a lot of who's been back there. And so, I mean, the 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 duo that we saw Friday was completely different from what we had seen the first four weeks. And so not sure how that will look um, on Saturday. Um, but with the way kickoffs are kind of operated here in this sport, we'll see how much that matters by this point. But, um, yeah, special teams has been – uh, below average there's certainly a lot of room to grow and it was you know before the season willie fritz said it needs to be a weapon for us it cannot be a detriment well there've been a couple times this year where it's well it's cost you a game and then it really got you off on the wrong foot on friday and so like that that can no longer be the case and so i think that's you know I'm I'm certainly curious about how the next few weeks look for this team, and amidst all the phases, that's the one that I'm certainly got my eye trained on the most because it is very much in flux right now.
1: Yeah, Steve and I go hoist the colors, ask Coach Houston about the Pirates' kicking situation, and uh, you know, would the would there be competition for Owen Daffer? And Coach Houston said that there's always, you know, open competition in practice. And that Carson Smith, you know, one of the the guys vying with Owen Daffer for the starting place kicking role, uh, you know, to have an opportunity there um, is coming off an injury. But now he is back uh, full strength. So, um, you know, he will be competing with Owen because um, the Pirates now and all these have certainly not been um, Owen Daffer's responsibility because you have to have the snap hold and protection and coach houston referenced that again today i'm gonna to have to go back and check out uh, the miss pat against south florida because coach houston acted like it may have um, been on one of those other aspects rather than the kick itself so um it's something that the pirates have to get fixed because through five games we've missed four extra points as well as a couple of field goals inside of 40 yards
4: yeah, we're uh we're not at that level yet. But when the, the mistakes the when the mistakes were as egregious as they were against Southern Miss, um, both place kicking and punting, um like that's that's a that's a no go. Like that's uh, it's that simple. And so You know, who knows who we're going to be seeing use their feet on Saturday for either side by this point. But that's clearly I think if both teams have maybe the similar concern heading into this one.
2: No doubt. And also, uh, Corey, the fact that um, I was telling the guys Bubba is the stats guy, we were three for three on fourth down on Saturday and down in um, I was going to say Tampa, man, a long day. Uh, down in Boca Raton and FAU uh, when we were playing USF. And it was like, you know, I was telling the guys that it was like, even though the big score, I know Kyle had said on our playback, it will be interesting to see if they had let Daffer kick um, when you're way up against a team and to kick those field goals. But I think it was smart. I think that – I think at this point, like we always talk about kickers being a mental game, I think his confidence is really – Cause it's like, he has a distance, but it's like, when you say Bubba, you're more, you're more of a, you're obviously a football player and I'm not, but it seems like it's, it's like, he's got the distance. It's just, he's kicking it. He's hooking it left or right.
1: Yeah. It certainly, certainly certainly seemed at times, you know, that he's compensated there, um, you know, because where he missed the previous kick and uh, I guess uh, that's understandable. Um. You know, from a psychological standpoint there of wanting to uh, correct you know what what made uh, the previous attempt miss. And I mean, you saw it. I mean, it seems like and maybe it's just because I'm paying more attention to it because of our kicking woes, but it seems like there's more and more kicks getting missed this year, especially of the shorter variety. And you, you look at Iowa State and the way they lost 14 to 11 to, to Kansas. Uh, they had two doink off the upright. And then the last one, after missing those first two off the upright, you know, he he was bound and determined not to miss that one to the right, and he he really hooked it. So uh, it's yeah. something that's is really troubling to a lot of teams around the nation.
2: Yeah, even the NFL seems like like wow. Um, I, I don't know. Is it you know like I was saying? It seems like now he's trying way too hard, and um, I, I don't know. And we'll see how that goes, but. Um when it is so close, the parity in college football is such now, and especially, you know, in our league in the American that, I mean, you would hate to think that that could be the difference in winning a conference championship and losing one or even competing for a conference championship.
1: Yeah. And obviously, the, the Pirates as well as Tulane Or it would not be surprising to see either, you know, in contention – but in order for that to happen, um, this is an aspect, like Corey already mentioned, that has to get ironed out because if not, you know, it's going to cost either the Green Wave or the Pirates a, another game probably.
2: But, uh, you know, Dave, do you have anything else football-related for Corey? No, I know that we've had him on for a good while. Corey, uh, do you have well, anything?
1: I, actually,
2: I had something else
1: for him, but if you didn't have anything football-related, I was going to say, Corey, for Pirate fans okay. that are making the – the track down to new Orleans this weekend. If they have not been to the big easy before, you know, give them, uh, you know, some places of interest, both from a a dining perspective, as well as other things that they need to make sure they see.
4: Well, um, there's a lot to see if you uh, would like to go to bourbon street, that is your prerogative. I'm not recommending that to anyone. Um, if you've never experienced it and just want to see what it is, um, enjoy. Uh, but if you would like to actually experience some New Orleanian music and jazz scene and good music clubs, Frenchman Street is where you go. Um, it's just outside of downtown. It's a quick Uber ride if you're staying in downtown um, in the quarter. Um, and that is, uh, that is where you can hear great local music without the um uh the the chaos of bourbon street um so if if that's what you're looking to do and that's pretty much mission number one for most people coming down here is to find music um or or just drink heavily um you can do that in frenchman like no question um if you want to do that in bourbon i wish you well um Outside of that, I would say, like, by this point, you probably can't get a reservation at Commander's Palace. That is all booked up for, like, a month by this point. Um, if you're able to get into Giacomo's, which is near Tulane, that's a, for a high-end meal, I'd give that a roll. Um, if you want kind of a classic quintessential, like, New Orleans food place with some cheap alcohol and some really good po boys and red beans, then... Uh, A place called Frankie and Johnny's, which is not also that far away from Tulane, would be my recommendation. That is an old dive sports bar um, with some just some A-plus cuisine, New Orleans cuisine. If you want to be a little bit higher end on the classic New Orleans stuff, um, Neo's Creole Cafe, um, which is in Mid-City. That's that's one of my favorite spots. That's where I, I took my parents to when they came to visit me. Um, that, uh, that would be a high recommend for me as well. Um, if you want to kind of slow down and maybe not experience the hustle and bustle of the French Quarter, uh, City Park is beautiful and there's a ton to do there, including a Cafe Du Mon that is not nearly as highly trafficked as the one downtown in the market. So if you want your beignets and you want Cafe Du Mon beignets, go to the one in City Park and then you can walk around that. I mean, it's, it's bigger than Central Park. Like it's huge. Um, and you might even see me there because I I don't live that far away from that. So um, so yeah, I would recommend that. Um, you know, you can get prowlings uh, in a lot of spots in downtown if you really want to go that route and bring some sweets home with you. Um, and then yeah, I mean the the Tulane campus is beautiful, and then Audubon Park is right on the southern end of that. So if you're coming to the game, uh, obviously if you're coming down to New Orleans, you're probably coming to the game. If I'm talking to Pirate fans. Um, come a little bit early, hang out at Audubon Park. The river's right there, uh, and then walk on over to the ball game. So, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of things off the beaten path that you can do here in New Orleans that don't require you to um, lose all your sense of self on Bourbon Street.
1: Yeah, Corey, you read my mind as far as Café Bumont and the, the beignets. I know my dad, uh, since making his initial trip, to new orleans back in 2008 uh you know he said if you go to new orleans cafe du monde and the beignets is a must yeah i mean uh, the, the one in the
4: french market is the famous one and that is also cash only so keep that in mind uh, all the other ones take card but um it's the same beignets everywhere else in every other location of cafe du monde uh, Cafe Beignet is also in the French Quarter, and that's a good one. But that also gets pretty jammed as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, listen, you're going to have a lot of food here, uh, and it's—I'm a testament to that. I've—I'm a big testament to that. So, um, like, just you know, be forewarned—you're um, not leaving here thinner. Like, you're just not. Like, even if you're here for a night, you're going to add five pounds.
2: Wow!
1: Now, Court and Dave, very quickly, and we have Craig a um, Pirate fan from Virginia, yeah. chiming in. He says, and he has a he has yeah. a recommendation yeah. for grilled oysters. Um, Corey, yeah. you can confirm that. I'm completely assuming by the nodding ag- of your head. <laughs> yep,
4: yeah, completely agree. Uh, great call, Craig. Uh, you know, I'm not a wild fan of oysters. Um, I, the the char grilled oysters, though, at Drago's. Are, which I think that's the one Craig's referring to right there, the, the grilled oysters, char-grilled, where they put good little Parmesan cheese on top with yeah. some butter, um, and then you can even put, like, bacon in there and stuff. Uh, it's life-changing. So, wow. yes, uh, I'm not a big raw oyster guy, um, but char-grilled oysters, even fried oysters, if they're done, like, not too heavy with batter... Uh, those are great. grilled oysters. I mean, you can knock down a couple dozen of those like and you will be the happiest person on earth. No doubt.
1: As, sorry, we have one other comment, Dave. Mike Radford, uh, he's say, asking about the World War Two or not asking, but suggesting that the World War Two Museum is a great place to visit. Have you visited there? I have not visited yet.
4: I have heard incredible things about it. And so if you have the time to do it, like if you're going to if you're coming here for the game, but then staying for an extra day or so, then I would make that part of your plan. Um, I, I have not had the chance to get down there yet, though.
2: No doubt. I have a I have an idea for, for you, Corey, when you're not doing play by play games for the Green Wave, the voice of the Green Wave, you could actually do some great sightseeing tours. You can have that red double decker bus. You can have, you know, the ladies and gentlemen over here. i me. The, right. the guy. Yeah. What do you think?
5: Well, it wouldn't be the double-decker
4: bus, although we do have some running around here, but I'd want a street car to do that. So, okay. like, the, the good old-fashioned, like, if you're staying downtown coming in for the game, jump on the state St. Charles streetcar. It'll drop you off right on the southern edge of campus. It's a little bit of a walk to the stadium. It's about a mile, but it's a beautiful walk. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. And that's the that's the original. That's the I street car. And so... Um, yeah, leave the car at the hotel and jump on that streetcar uh, for the game on Saturday. That's what I would recommend.
2: And they are definitely amazing. Uh, before we let you go, obviously, too, I want to ask you, uh, music-wise, uh, God rest your soul, we have to uh, talk about someone who shared my birthday and was 90 years old, and we lost Loretta Lynn, one of the best country singers ever, uh, great pioneer. Were you a fan uh, of you know, country music? I don't think you like very much. So,
4: can't yeah. say Loretta Lynn was a big uh, listen in my upbringing so I, 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 I know the impact that she made but I'm, I was
2: not uh, in my wheelhouse unfortunately. All right so not down with the coal miner's daughter okay right I've definitely heard it but I, I'm not
4: uh, it doesn't make me weep or anything.
2: No doubt I know you're more of a rock guy so uh, but I know how hard much- rock clearly. Yeah, I know how much you love music, so I just wanted to ask you that uh for sure. And I uh, want to ask you how people can listen to the broadcast. You know, um it's so great when you can hear like the voice of the pirates, Jeff Charles. You know, I'm a radio guy, so love the radio broadcast, not kissing up to you. I really it's something that I've just loved since I was a little kid, listening to the radio to ball games. How can people listen to Corey Glore? Yeah, uh,
4: the the Varsity Network app is where you can find the game broadcast coming up on Saturday. So, um, if you feel like uh, jumping in to uh, listen to your old pal Corey, uh, by all means, head to the Varsity Network app. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the cleanest way for folks back in Greenville and in North Carolina to tune in. I will have with the way our press box is set up, I will have. Jeff Charles immediately to my right with a glass window separating us. So I will be able to like stare at him and watch him call while I call. Um, I'm going to try and intimidate him, but that man could snap me in half if he wanted to. So he's the strongest
2: uh, play by play guy in the country. Don't you think
4: that guy is unreal ripped? Like it is
2: unbelievable. I am wildly envious of how built that man is. I don't know if yeah. they're French pythons like Hulk Hogan, but they're pretty daggone big. They're, they're close. Like if they're not there, they're close. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, and maybe
4: just maybe with the way my booth is set up, you might be able to catch a little bit of Jeff into my crowd. we will be as we figure out where we need to place it so it doesn't happen. But um, but yeah, you, maybe you can get two for the price of one if we are if you're lucky.
1: Now, Corey, um, very quickly, Dave, I wanted to, I told Johnny Gardner I'd get to his question and uh, amongst the, all the food talk, I, I lost a uh, train of thought here, but uh, Johnny said, Corey, with basketball and uh, you know, official practice just getting underway, talk about Ron Hunter's ball club very quickly, and then you had um, the, the change in leadership for baseball. Yeah.
4: Today was our basketball media day actually here in town. And so I kind of restarted basketball season and certainly in my schedule as well as a lot of folks here. And so I got to chat with coach Hunter um, a little bit today um, for a podcast later on in the month. Um, And, you know, the, the expectations here are lofty now, like it's, You know, you see fifth place finish in the league last year, and that doesn't wow you. You see 15 and 16, I believe, was the final mark, and that certainly doesn't blow anybody's brains apart. But for anybody who was able to watch that team during conference play um, and then realize that every single one of them are back this year, um, like every single one. I mean, it's almost the precisely same team as last year, just a year older and a year wiser. Um, it, it's like there, there is a true, honest expectation of competing for this league, competing for an NCAA tournament this year. And that hasn't been discussed in this area since the late 90s. Um, now they got to put it together, um, they got to stay healthy. But when you have Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, Kevin Cross, those three, I'd put up with pretty much any three around the conference. Um, and so, like, the, the, there's honest, real, palpable excitement about basketball this year here. Baseball, they're just starting fall ball. And so, that's a pretty, you know, with the new coach and Jay Ullman, who's not new to the program, but he is new to overseeing it. He's got a very young assistant coaching staff that has come in. I'm older than all of them. Um, and, you know, there, there are a couple of key pieces that return to that team, a couple of big freshman bats from last year that are back. Um, but there were some voids to fill. Transfer Portal was active after the coaching change, uh, or at least the coaching absence at the end of the year. And so um, now the work begins of putting all of that together into a true unit. Um, it's the second year in a row, really, where Tulane Baseball has about half of their roster that'll be new. Um, And now you have a new guy leading the way and a brand new assistant coaching staff. And so, um, so yeah, they, they certainly have to, they're going to start putting blocks in place for mid February. Um, But in between then you got a a football team that is starting to capture some attention here, as long as they can keep winning. And you got a basketball team that people have not been excited about this much in about 25 years.
1: And a great way, Dave, to uh, to wrap up our visit, a comment from Craig uh, saying, seeing glory in green breaks my heart. However, super proud of him. And, um, you know, n- he knew that
2: having you in Greenville was a gift. He also said, to add to that, that um, pass along his comment, once a pirate, always a pirate to Corey.
4: Well, it's, you know, I've, you know, the, these, uh, these matchups are um, – yeah they're they're a little stranger i mean th- this one less strange than the one a year ago because that was still pretty recent in i mean the game last year in greenville was in october early october so right around the same time this one is uh but it was three months after i had moved away um and so just to go back right away was was strange and surreal um you know, basketball was a little bit weird. That baseball weekend was very strange, um, and then seeing baseball again in the in the conference tournament matchup. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't lie. The matchups with East Carolina last year were um, were tricky for me, especially the the baseball weekend here in New Orleans, and then staying in the same hotel in Clearwater with them and seeing those guys all the time, and then seeing them in the semifinal and. Um and nearly catching a foul ball from Lane Hoover. I'm still mad you didn't aim that one just a little better. But um and then um and now this. And so it's this is more um more excitement than anything because I think the game should be a hell of a lot better than it was last year. Um and I'm you know, I'm excited to see some folks again, no question, that are gonna be coming into town um now when April rolls around and I will at some point be heading that way for a three game baseball series in that stadium. Um, check in with me about how uh, that one's going to feel uh, because I haven't been back in that park. I, I snuck in there a little bit, actually, when I was there for basketball. I did sneak into that park, um, but I haven't worked in there since June of 2021. Um, and so, yeah, talk to me in April about what that what that weekend's going to be like for me. Um, but now, I mean, this is more excitement than anything. Um, I love my time there. I love the uh, the work that I think I was able to do there. Um, and now I'm I feel fortunate to be able to do it here in in a in a bigger role with uh, with more on my plate. And um, hopefully, the folks here at Tulane have um, enjoyed what I've been able to bring them as much as you know some of the folks in East Carolina seem to enjoy it.
2: It's strange not having you in the press box as well Um, there, the Town Bank Tower that Kyle loves so much. Since he's not on, I can joke about that.
4: It's, uh, yeah, I did the stat spotting for that COVID year. Um, And so, um, yeah, and, you know, I don't don't get the qualms about that press box, I'll be honest. I've, I've experienced far worse press boxes than Town Bank Tower. At least for what I need for it to do. Like, uh, I, the setup's fine for what I need to do
2: there. No doubt. Corey, man. I'm no. selfish like that. I'll be honest. <laughs> no Houston doubt. Was great. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you, man. As always, you've been good to us all the way back to uh start of uh, man, uh, May of 2018. You've been with us almost five years. Hard to believe it May of 2018. Was that the first time I was on your show? Yep. Yep, it was dealing with the uh, regionals. Uh that was the first time that I reached out to you.
4: That's right. Yeah. All yeah, right. I also beautiful. think didn't we try to do a show in February of 2020 when I was driving back from Georgia Southern and that was just a disaster. Yeah, it was something like, yeah.
1: like that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, it's uh some some memories on uh, the good old sports objective here for uh for your friendly radio broadcaster.
2: Absolutely. But you've been uh, loyal to us and I appreciate it very much and all the best. You know, it's uh, New Orleans is a great town and um, can't wait. But by the way, one more thing, I promise, whatever you do, I got a public service announcement. If you're going to there, I I made the huge mistake of thinking it would be cool Do not do the vampire walking tour. I'll pay you 20 bucks not to do it. That's how bad it is.
4: Um, I just didn't meet your satisfaction or did it creep you out?
2: Um, when you have subject matter that's not appropriate for kids and your wife looks you at you,
4: kids on that.
2: Yeah. I didn't know it was going <laughs> to, it was a huge disaster. I don't know because we actually got lost on purpose. Oh so my God. We kind of took a left instead of taking a right. And the people were like, uh, the first time we were like, okay, we'll give it one more chance. And that's like some bizarre, I can't, it's a family show, so I can't repeat some of the stuff. And thankfully the kids were not paying a, attention. And uh anyway, it was 2018. Um, you live and learn. And uh next time I, I try to read reviews and stuff and I didn't find any bad reviews. Uh So Did you find any that
4: said it's family friendly.
2: No, I just thought it would be uh, like a, I, I didn't think it would be like adult content. If you know what I mean? Not the oh, scary. It's
4: it, it's new
2: Orleans, bud. Yeah. It's new Orleans. Oh, I, yeah, I
4: got it. I got it.
1: It's going to be like the, the ghost tour or whatever it's called in, uh, in Williamsburg.
4: Yeah. I've done a ghost tour here. A friend came in to visit from Washington, DC and wanted to do a ghost tour. And the one that we picked, the sole reason why we picked it was because we got two for one hurricanes. And we could walk with them because it's the city so oh, yeah. so that i mean please please if you're if you're bringing the family down for the this is a public service announcement here from your friend Corey. um you're bringing the family down for the game great you're, you're going to love the stadium every seat is really close to the field it's a very intimate stadium you're going to love it um but if you're considering doing a historical walking tour in the french quarter Please search for ones that are family friendly because most are not.
5: <laughs>
4: and that's, Dave uh, found that out the hard way. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> do not do the vampire walking tour. Please yeah, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's my.
2: That's what we'll let you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate you as always for your time, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. Thank okay. you, boys. Appreciate it. Give Kyle my best. All right. All right. Well done, man. Have a good night. Bye bye. Appreciate him very much. And, uh, yeah, Bubba, I don't even think I've told you that story, have I? Did I ever tell you that story?
1: No, I don't know the trip that you're talking about, but I was not aware of the
2: Vampire Tour. I thought I told you that. Well, well, you know, you have to save – we have to – hey, Matt Simenza, you have to have great content for the sports objective. So I have the surprise factor, I'm sure, was at least a five or six there. But, yeah, um, New Orleans has a lot of great restaurants, a lot of great music venues, a lot of cool stuff to do. Just don't do any walking tours, and you'll be all right, especially if you're easily offended or you have kids. So, uh, Matt, uh, have you ever been to uh, New Orleans outside of playing? I, mean, I know you went there with playing Tulane, but have you been since? That's what I'm trying to say.
3: I've never been, guys. I've never been, sadly. And that's uh, – Yeah, that's on my bucket list. I really want to get down there for – Oh, man. At oh, least man. a four-day trip. You know, that would be really cool. I You know, Bourbon Street is – seems mildly, uh, you know, uh, interesting to me, but it's everything else about New Orleans. The food is really my main interest at this point.
2: Yeah, I tell you one thing. There's two favorite streets or two famous. um, Can't talk tonight in America. Mm -hmm. One being Bourbon Street, one being Rodeo Drive. Um, Bourbon Street was really interesting, and I heard it put this way. So this was not my comment that. It's the only place, Burbank Street's the only place where you can have hookers, priests, like tourists, like everybody. It's like the ultimate melting pot. And it is one of the mo- most narrow streets I've ever seen in my life um, and things you probably don't want to see. Um, but it's not as, uh, I don't know, I haven't been in 2020. 20, I was there in 18, but it was more of a family trip. Um, but 2020, 20, 2000, I'm sure you say was when I was there with that. But the other one is Rodeo Drive is the most overrated street in America. It was the biggest letdown. um, Bourbon Street was actually cool. I can't complain about Bourbon Street, but Rodeo Drive is the biggest joke I've ever seen in my life. And the movies make it look like it's this big, the way they do the camera angles. If you've ever been to Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills is very cool, but Rodeo Drive, not so much.
3: Yeah, the whole that whole California scene, you know, the LA, Beverly Hills, honestly, it, it really to me it just turns me off. I'm not into that whole scene out there. Oh, you were so plastic, Matt. You
2: were so plastic. I would I would suspect you're like the guy like that you would definitely be driving down the sunset strip, you know, you have got the convertible, you know, obviously you're married now, so you have Chrissy in the car, but like I could I could <laughs> see you
3: I, not I, this guy really yeah no no it doesn't the whole I'm california so, scene so, <laughs> it just it just doesn't work for me man it's a little too much it's a little too much for me with the uh well we don't need to get into uh liberal politics but um it's a little too
2: much for me guys and a guy that's uh, from jersey and has been in new york city for a lot. A lot. um <laughs> But I will, I will say that I will say that L.A. is a great place to visit. Um, I would not want to live there. It's very beautiful. The cost of living is um, astronomical because it's Los Angeles. Um, everything is spread out um, way too much for me. Um, but I will be there and uh, hopefully you guys can come with me. I'm planning on going. I'm an Olympic nerd and I really want to go in 2028 to Los Angeles. So hopefully that'll be my next trip. And uh, Bubba says that he's got some uh, credentials. He's already got cooked up. So um, we can go there and cover the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, guys,
2: before we discuss this
1: matchup a little bit more, you know, I don't think a whole lot more needs to be said. And we, we were very thorough with Corey yeah. Glore, Um and – in discussing Willie Fritz Ball Club. Um, We do want to address a few things from the Pirate perspective, and some of these were brought up by our viewers and things that we certainly intend on discussing anyway. But before we do that, let's go. Um, These are the first two minutes of Mike Houston's weekly press conference. You can hear that press conference in its entirety. Coach Houston is right around 14 minutes. Uh, Go to our YouTube channel. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to click subscribe. But uh, here are those first couple minutes on Coach Houston's opening statements as he wrapped up the USF win, and then also talked about Willie Fritz, Tulane Green
0: Wave. Great day for the Pirates. Um, you know, a big road win, uh, conference opponent, um, a very talented conference opponent, and uh, you know, a very explosive first half for our offense. So it was great to see, see uh, you know, that all come together. But um, just really pleased with the performance on the day. Um, so, you know, good to get that first conference win, um, first road win, um, but uh, you know, not much time to celebrate that with uh, what we have coming up this Saturday night. And uh, you know, we you, know, you look at the schedules in the off season, and I knew this was going to be a tough game going to New Orleans. Um, I felt pretty strongly that uh, Coach Fritz would uh, you know have a pretty good bounce back year this year, and obviously he's off to a, an extremely strong start. I know he. He uh, is kicking himself because he uh, probably thinks he should be 5-0, and I, I would probably agree with him. I mean, they did some uncharacteristic things in the Southern Miss game, uh, but a very, very strong football team, uh, very solid in all three phases. Uh, you know, if you if you needed more evidence, you know, playing without your starting quarterback last uh, Saturday or last Friday night uh, in Houston uh, and knocking off the Cougars, uh, that's, you know, that's an impressive win. So, Uh, You know, I was very impressed with them. Uh, Like I said, all three phases. Defensively, you know, I think they're in the top ten in the country in multiple categories, Uh, you know, top five and and several. So, uh, you know, one of the stronger defensive units in the country. Uh, Maybe one of the better, if not the best, defensive unit in our conference. So, uh, you know, we'll be challenged Saturday night. Uh, We do expect Pratt to play, Uh, just everything that uh, we've kind of gathered. So, uh, you know, we're preparing for that. Um, but I, I was very impressed with the, the young quarterback last, uh, last Friday night. So I thought he handled everything very, very well, uh, and obviously, uh, played real well in the second half and in overtime to get the win. So, a uh, tough test for us. Uh, you know, we've got to continue to improve and continue to build upon our performance last uh, Saturday, uh, and, uh, you know, try to put together our best game of the year this Saturday, this Saturday afternoon in New Orleans.
2: All right, that's Coach Mike Houston at the press conference today. They're in Telmbate Tower in Greenville. And, uh, Matt, uh, I just want to get your thought being a former player. Um, I don't know. I'm not overconfident, so I don't want to say I'm overconfident. But I would say that uh, this matchup um, doesn't seem me like Navy. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant. It may come across that way, and I don't mean that to be that way. I, but I am very confident in our team. Um, I just have a feeling—I have a feeling that the whole conservative play calling um, that Matt Simenza, myself, and thousands of Pirate fans, including Bubba Rosenbaum, that we won't see the uh, as much of a conservative game plan. I'm hoping that we'll see a trick play or two. I say all 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 like bets are off, like put everything out there, right? What do you think?
3: Yeah, definitely. We have weapons on this team and we need to we need to utilize the weapons. And you know, I I agree, Dave. It's this is not the time to be conservative. This is the time to trust what you have as a team. And what we have, we have a fifty-year quarterback that is very much capable of of playing you know, having huge games like he did last weekend in, in South Florida. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a stable of wide receivers that can make plays. We have two tight ends. We'll have Keaton Mitchell healthy. So let's get the ball to these guys in space, you know, and, and let's make plays. And, hey, if we have the opportunity to run it, I mean, I, I totally believe in balance. I believe in, you know, smash mouth football when you can. But when it's not there, you know, utilize the, the, the talent that you have. And, and, you know, Dave, I think – and Bubba, I think it's just going to come down to this is the type of game. This is a very well-coached team we're playing. It's going to come down to execution. And, you know, we can't have busts in the secondary. We can't have missed extra points. Um, If we get a chance for a field goal, we need to to make sure we make those field goals. So um, it's going to come down to execution, I think.
1: As far as some of that offensive skill talent, and um, you reference Holt Nailers the game he had against South Florida, thirty-one to forty-one, four sixty-five, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And then that was certainly um, good enough to get him the AAC's offensive player of the week. And you really, I mean, CJ Johnson, any other week, you I know, mean, he would have won the award. Seven for one ninety-seven and four touchdowns. It's, it's remarkable. Uh, um, numbers that CJ put up and in, in uh, putting his best foot forward, no doubt, to honor his grandmother, who had passed last, who had passed last week. But um, you know, also some of the other skilled talent for the Pirates, and you obviously had the loss of uh, Rajay Harris. You know, undisclosed injury. Excuse me. It was confirmed that it was an ACL, so he's done for the season. You know, so thoughts and prayers to Rajay, and that he stays in a good mental frame of mind, and he as he goes through surgery and begins rehab over the coming weeks. And uh, obviously, that's a long rehab, but there's no reason that he can't come back, and you know, have a a very successful uh, career moving forward in the purple and gold. And Mike Houston talked about that earlier today, and he said Keith Mitchell is expected to be back, which is great news. I mean, you would certainly expect him and Marlon Gunn to see the bulk of the work. But um, Camaro Edmonds, the University of North Carolina transfer, who's originally from Havelock. He's someone that's, um, you know, very likely to potentially uh, see a, a
2: few carries this weekend. We shall see. Yeah. And as we bring in Kyle Barber, a guy that his favorite uh, room is the running back room, Kyle uh, first chance we've had to talk about the injury to Roger Harris, but just want to get your uh, take on that, and uh sometimes ACL, not that I'm a trainer, but uh, it looks like for me that uh, that's what, at least a nine-month rehab like from start to finish? Uh, it, it,
5: yeah. it, it uh, Any any injury, ACL, MCL, it takes a while to recover from. Um I alluded to that Sunday night when we were speculating about Roger's injury. I said there's no in between with the injuries, I said it's either going to be a deep bruise, and he'll play this weekend, or he'll be out for a while. And unfortunately, it was the latter. He'll, he he's he's out for a while, and the uh, rest of the season. So tough for Rajay. The good news is Keaton's back. Gun has shown what he can do. Uh, my bigger concern would be um not so much when the ball's in the hands, obviously of Mitchell or Gun, but. Uh, some of the blocking schemes Rajay was really good at that pass protect, and he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, I imagine we saw some of that with Gunn uh against South Florida, so he can catch the ball too. Um, I, I would, and maybe this has been addressed, guys. Um, I don't know if it was addressed at the press conference this week or in the depth chart. Um, but I don't believe I'd have Keaton on kickoff returns. Um, right. Coming back, do y'all do y'all know if that's been addressed?
2: No, but I agree with you. I haven't thought about that, but that's a great point, Kyle. I would, um, I I, re- I would put somebody back there. I think Malik Fleming is doing a great job on you know punt returns, so we just need to get somebody um, back on for that. That's uh, keep him off of special teams, and it yeah. might not be a bad idea to uh, to have a third back just to have him limited time coming back. We'll see.
1: Yeah, when Keaton went down against Navy and mi- missed the pretty much the entire second half after getting hurt with 13 minutes remaining in the third quarter a couple weeks ago, uh, CJ Johnson went back and catch um, caught kickoff. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see if CJ's back there or if is someone um, you know may- maybe it's a little more speed. Not okay. the CJ. You,
5: you know, if you can trust King back there get him a chance to be on the field more and utilize his speed.
1: Right. And then, obviously, um, speaking of injuries, Josiah Hatfield, uh, you had seen him in, in previous games, you know, kind of working his way back in after at that suspension. Uh, can any of you shed any light there? Uh, I have not really sought an answer, um, you know, but um, – Just, just wondering, day
5: to day. Everything I read from IGO just says it's day to day, whatever the hell that means. So I I guess it's a nagging injury, a pain tolerance kind of thing. But he's he's day to day. Um, I haven't heard about Jalen Johnson. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out. Um, I don't know if that was addressed at the press conference or not. Did you see anybody address Jalen's injury?
1: I did not hear Coach Houston address Jalen's injury. I think it was a hand or wrist injury, okay. um, and it, it occurred, I think, maybe late first quarter. I think he played right around just shy of 20 snaps on Saturday. So hopefully he's back because that kind of – that's a good segue into what I was going to mention next, and that's what Matt was saying as far as receiver depth. I think we do have some talented receivers in the program, but just the way we – choose to go about things or just, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, we're doing what we're doing for a reason. Um, but that may be the, the reason um, the limited receivers that we play, you know, you, we're really only playing our starters, Winstead and both Johnsons. And then you have, um, and then obviously two tight ends who see significant snaps, you know, 50 to 60 plus snaps a game in Calhoun and and Ryan Jones. But uh, it you think back to um, the Logan years or, um, you know, other other coaching staff. Yeah, Ruffin McNeil. Yeah, well, Ruffin McNeil, and certainly. But, I mean, guys like Linwood DeBrew back in the Logan years that didn't have many receptions, but, you know, you'd, you'd see them play 5, 10, um, maybe 15 snaps a game. But um, we, we really aren't seeing that um, outside of – you know, some of those, I guess maybe we saw it against Old Dominion and Campbell perhaps, but I'd have to go back and check the snap count report as far as Taji Hudson and uh, Kerry King. I know mean, after Kerry King had a catch or two in those first couple games, I thought we'd see him more, but that hasn't been the case.
5: Yeah, we made this week. I, 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 would, I would think, um, you know, luckily we've been playing gun, and I would think that uh, with Jalen Johnson's injury, whether whether he's 100% or not this week. I would hope that would be a wake-up call to get guys like Kerry King on the field more, uh, you know, et, et cetera. Uh, what about the kid from Duke, uh, the transfer from Duke? What, what, what is the other yeah, deal?
1: Yeah, I heard Coach Boyette speaking about Jarrett Garner and the transfer from Duke. He said he was coming along well. I, I don't know if it was a situation where, where perhaps – I don't know if it was more of uh, just learning the playbook or maybe if there was some conditioning involved as well, kind of like Audio Matosho was when he transferred in from UCLA. Yeah. But um, there, there's certainly been, you know, one or a combination of things, um, you know, just keeping Jarrett Garner off the field outside of a few snaps that we saw, I think it was against Campbell. But uh, that's something that I just thought about when you really – and I know up-tempo is not what we do so much, but it's something that we need to be able to do more consistently. And I wonder if that's the reason or one of the reasons we don't do it more consistently is because of not playing many receivers.
5: Yeah, I don't know. Or, or is the reason we don't play many receivers because we don't go up-tempo? I don't, is it right. Up right. The egg? Yeah, or uh, the I, I, I don't uh, Yeah, Who knows? But we need to be diverse this week on offense. Uh, we need to be smart tulane has got a good defense very good defense I would say maybe as good as nc states um they're they're a very good football team this is a uh i i would i would argue um you know and some people may think I'm crazy saying this but being this on the road um I, I would argue maybe this is the toughest of the next three games the next two opponents from Memphis and UCF um I agree i agree so I mean i I, I think. I, I, obviously, I want to win this game, um, and I think we definitely can win this game. But I would call some power fans if we go down there and play well and lose. Uh, don't don't act like it's the end of the world. This two-lane team is really good. How Southern Miss got them. You know, I didn't watch the game. The yardage don't make a lot of sense. Um, but they, they've been pretty flawless outside of that game. Um, are they beatable? Yeah, cool. Absolutely. But you don't go on the road and beat Kansas State, a good Kansas State, a, unless you're a good football team. And they're 4-1 for a reason. And um, like I say, I, I would advise Pirate Nation if we do lose, don't panic. Uh, there's going to be a lot of close games coming up over the next five, six weeks. We're going to be – it's going to be a roller coaster uh, as we as we line it up these next few weeks. This is this is a tough of a stretch of games as we've had. And, and it may not look like it at first unless you really look at the schedule. But, man, Tulane, Memphis, UCF, top 25 Cincinnati, top 25 BYU all in a row. That's, that's pretty damn salty.
1: Yeah, Kyle. Um, when Corey was part of the show, um, Corey was talking about that uh, as as far as um, what you, what you were just saying. I mean, so it will be it will be very very interesting to to see how things play out. The Pirates are a three point dog, and that's not surprising with the game being in New Orleans. Because I think if the game was in Dowdy Ficklin, that it would probably be the other way around. I expect this to be a Four quarter ball game, and um, you reference, you know, having that gadget play, trick play, whatever you want to call it, in your back pocket. I think this is a game where, you know, where it comes down to um, something like that potentially making the difference. So, so it will be interesting to see if we pull out uh, something of that nature.
5: Yeah, and, and, and speaking of gadget plays and stuff like that, it makes me think of kicking. And I don't know if you guys noticed at the press conference today, I was reading some of Houston's remarks. He talked about uh, Daffer and competition, and apparently uh, the backup for Daffer had been injured. And uh, apparently he's getting healthy now. So uh, he said, "There, you know, we could finally start having some competition at the kicking position.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we, we, we just – I really wish that information would have come out weeks ago, Kyle, because it would have really – you know, made a lot more sense when you look at the whole situation. Uh, I don't see the need to kind of hide that information from the public. But, um, you know, it it does – that's what we need in that room. We need competition. Uh, You need it in every room, but especially right now in that kicking room, um, it's sorely needed.
5: No, it is. And, you know, hopefully that makes that for a better kicker. Um, And if not, then the other kid will get an opportunity. We know Owen can do it. He's just got to get out of his head. I don't think it's anything with mechanics. I don't know. That would be a good question for uh, maybe Bays or somebody. Uh, is it like anything with mechanics, I think it's between his ears.
2: Most definitely. I was saying earlier, guys, before y'all joined us, that I believe, I truly believe that it's like he's trying too hard. He's overcompensating. I don't know the term, uh, Bubba and uh, Matt, but it's some something there that he wants to make. In other words, my point is, he wants to make damn sure. That it goes through the uprights, and um, uh, sometimes less is more. And um, go out in the, there and kick it, and uh, eventually, he, I, I think he'll be out of the slump. I do, but uh, man, it's a uh, it's a tough it's a tough way right now. It feels permanent, like he's not going to make them,
1: uh-huh.
2: But um, nah. so he-
1: And again, for that um, the backup that Kyle references. It is red shirt freshman Carson Smith out of out of Belmont, uh, North North Carolina South Point High School. You know he was a, a two time conference kicker of the year, and you would certainly expect that at this level. But um, that's just a little information about Carson Smith, uh, who seems to be the primary competition for Owen Daffer.
5: Bubba's vibrating, um, yeah, and, and that's right. And he's uh, he's apparently getting healthy, so. Uh... That's a good thing all the way around for for the kicking competition for the Pirates in general. I mean god knows knows what you know, what happens is Dapper gets injured. So uh it's, it's you, you definitely want that competition. And uh so it's a good thing. Speaking of kickers, uh what's Kevin Miller up to these days, guys? Does anybody know? You used to see him around, uh he he did some work I don't know, one time for uh for the Pirate Sports Television Network back in the day. Uh one of the greatest characters in ECU history. What's Kevin Miller doing these days?
2: I don't know. We'll we'll have to find out.
3: It's a good question. I I haven't seen him or talked to him in many years, but I could uh, I'll poke around, Kyle. Yeah, basically uh, the guy to know. But um, you know, guys, I think I think there's been so much talk about our offense. You know, specifically our offense and moving the ball. I'm really kind of focused right now on our defense. I didn't think we played well defensively last week in South Florida. Um, I thought not in really second played. half. Yeah, and even in the first half, I thought we had some uncharacteristic busts. You know, I mean, hey, we were, you know, I I don't want to say we were fortunate because it was a, it was a really nice play um, to strip the ball inside the five yard line there. So you so you make plays, um, but I just thought all altogether it wasn't our best week defensively. And, you know, it's really interesting. We struggled to get pressure on the quarterback last <laughs> week. Yeah. We got, we got handled be- pretty well um, up front. So I think that's going to be one of the keys this week, guys. And can we get pressure on Pratt or whoever the quarterback might be? Um, but can we get pressure? Can we create some turnovers? I think, I think it's going to be that type of game. It's going to be so close that if you can create a turnover – or two, um, you're probably going to win the game.
5: Did, did, did you see uh, got posted today? Uh, somebody, uh, Evidently, we're 130 out of 131 teams on quarterback pressures.
3: I um, saw that, Kyle. That's crazy. Oh, wow.
5: yeah, that's, that's not good. With all the blitzing we do, um, I think part of it has to do with us playing a lot of mobile quarterbacks early. But yes. that that's going to cost us as the season goes on with all the blitzing we do. If we can't get to the quarterback, I granted, there will be quarterbacks we play that are much more typical pocket passers coming up in the coming weeks. But that will that that will eventually people are going to start keying on that more and more. And um, we better start getting to the quarterback or uh, stop listening so much. And that's really what the scheme is kind of predicated on.
1: And that's – well, that's something that uh, we, we still blitz a decent amount, but I'm trying to remember, um, you know, with the uh, improved personnel, uh, I heard a stat, I think, and give Stephen Igo credit for this. I believe it was on his podcast within the last couple of weeks, um, just talking about uh, with, you know, the improved defensive line and just being better at every level of our defense, that I, I want to say the, the percentage that we were blitzing was – down at least fifteen to twenty percent, if not more.
3: Yeah, and I I think guys not having Rick DeBru on the interior defensive line is I think it hurts us in pass rushing, rushing situations. I think I think we can get away with his absence, you know, in the, in the standard running game, and we have some really stout guys there. But in terms of kind of a quick twitch defensive lineman that can you know get penetration into the backfield, I thought he brought those skills to the table and you know, which leads me to my next question. Who knows what's going on with Rick DeBru? I mean, we haven't seen him all year. Um, but he's a guy that can generate pass rush when he's, you know, when he's on the field. Still Based the on
1: comments and kind of reading between the lines a just a little bit, and you know, it seems to be just a matter of practice habits and that uh Rick's practice habits weren't as good as his teammates that were getting the playing time.
5: Yeah, but at some point, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is he trying in practice and he's just not a practice player? Some guys just do it when the lights are on. I mean, is he giving effort but just not performing well in practice? Because we've seen him perform with the lights are on. I mean, at some point, you know, I I know no one player is bigger than the program, but at some point, you know, aren't you hurting your team by not putting him on the field?
3: It's a great question, Kyle. I, I've thought the same thing, and I, I'm guessing there's got to be more to this story because I just find it hard to believe that his practice habits could be that poor um, with the talent he has, and considering the fact that he was he was pretty much a uh, <laughs> we talking about practice, <laughs> uh, so you know he was pretty much ingrained too as a starter for a few years. It's just hard to believe things turn that quickly for him, but uh, it's kind of a mystery. Um, but who knows? I But I do think his he brings some of that quick twitch um, that could help our D-line.
1: Some good comments here on YouTube from James Cutler, one of our loyal viewers and listeners down in Georgia. And uh, James said, you know, at first he was chiming in regarding the up-tempo. And, you know, I, I referenced just saying – uh, No, it's not what we do, but I think there's a time and place for it, and I'd like to see us utilize it more. And you saw it there, and yes, in this situation, it was just more out of necessity, but at least we did it there at the end of the half when we made it 41-7 against South Florida, uh, more so than doing it in the second or third possession of the game as a change-up to keep the defense on its heels and to keep them uh, from being able to throw as much at us, uh, you know, from a schematic standpoint. But um, so he brought that up, and just talking about Coach Houston's philosophy there, as far as time of possession and so forth. And then he was talking about there's a lot of parallels between golfers and and kickers. So that's something that you're always going to hear, as far as uh, from a mechanical standpoint and also the mental aspect.
5: Yeah, speaking of Kevin Miller,
1: was known to be a great golfer. Yep, he he was uh, very good at both.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a really good point um, that Jay may or, – or, or Jay Cutler. <laughs> uh, it kind of reminds me of free throw shooting too. You know, you see a guy who starts to struggle from the free throw line and uh, all of a sudden it gets in his head and uh, becomes a you know a major problem. So it reminds me a lot of free throw shooting. And to Kyle's point, I do think it's in between the years. Daffer has the ability, um, but he just has to somehow find a way to block it out.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, i've
3: I've heard it said that free throws win
2: ball games Woo. well the uh, free throws uh making free throws are the difference between a good team and a great team um but hey matt uh by the way I'm really disappointed in you and I've got I've got Uh-oh. something no this is not a bad thing actually but um as far as fandom is concerned i I thought the reason why you relate to the show was because you were gonna brag about your uh one of the best Yankees of all time Aaron Judge breaking the Roger Maris's record another Yankee tonight and you haven't mentioned one thing about it i thought for sure by now you'd be
3: like <laughs> hey fellas hey fellas well hey i'm glad you brought it up tonight's a tonight's a great night in new york guys uh you have judge obviously with 62 judge is an awesome player you know he uh he fits in very well in the New York market. You know, I'm a big fan of Judge. He was a three-sport athlete in yeah. high school. He was an awesome football player. He was a great basketball player. Uh, obviously, baseball speaks for itself, but that's pretty awesome to see. And I like the fact that he's clean. You know, he's, he's yeah. doing this in the, you know, the non-steroid era. Uh, but I'll tell you guys what's more important to me, and, and not to veer off into New York sports, but Kyle – the New York Knicks basketball season started tonight, my friend. Preseason, okay. so that's a big deal. That's a big deal in this house here. Um, yep. So I'll be watching a lot of Knicks. I'm not sure why you if addressed me with the that.
5: Because
2: well, Kyle's <laughs> a big basketball fan. Well,
5: that's you know, like, like I said, free throws from ball games, woof. Um, you know, I might be a big basketball fan if we were ever relevant in basketball. But uh, you know, being I'm a, I'm a pirate and we haven't been relevant in basketball <laughs> ever um it's kind of hard to get excited for the sport and i don't care about the pro game so it's uh good good, good. i'm glad your knicks are back on the hardwood uh matt i know you enjoy it so uh good luck to the uh to the knicks yeah
2: Uh, the best buddy we'll need it matt you are one of the best fans ever because uh (laughs) it's easy to be a yankees fan it's very hard to be a knicks fan I, i feel for you man
3: it's tough it's it's a lot like it's It's a lot like being an ECU basketball fan, to be honest. It's uh, it's it's uh, a a big investment with usually not much payoff, Uh, (laughs) but hopefully that's about to change, right, guys? You never know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's the new, no doubt. I love it. (laughs) Quick Twitch is the new, no doubt. All right, no doubt. Quick Twitch. You talking about Gwen Stefani? Yeah,
5: I made that reference the other night.
2: I love her. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. One of my celebrity crushes. I absolutely. Uh, sorry, Blake Shelton. I shouldn't. I love him too. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Paul Russell says Tulane is going to be a tough out. We're going to have to bring our A game. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> the double purpose. Um, but for me personally, guys, I really, you know, like Tulane. Like going back to your point, Kyle. Uh, Coach Logan uh, said this early in the season. Or sorry, back in the summer that every game the Pirates would be in as a 50-50 game. It, he kind of like referenced Matt towards your era of Pirate football in the 90s where we're like going to be in every game and, you know, it's like the last play. What is it? Help me out, Matt. The last play of the fourth quarter. Uh, but, we come down to the last play of the game. Yeah, last play of the game. Um, so Kyle is, is 100% right. Like this Tulane team, this isn't like a Tulane team that where we would be stumping our toe – we overlooked them. Um, we have a big game coming up. We do have a big game with Memphis coming up with homecoming and the significance of the conference. If we want to be a conference game, if we want to have a chance to play for a conference title um, in the conference championship game. But for Tulane, is not a joke. They are, they're really good. Not coach speak. It's the, um, you need to, people need to do their homework. And I think that's one thing that drives me crazy with some fans, is they see the name Tulane and they go, "Oh yeah, that's a win."
5: Now I hope at, at this point, if you don't realize they're four and one and they beat Kansas State, then I I don't know what to tell you. But no, Tulane's two, two very good. Um, I really, you, you mentioned trying to get to a conference championship game, and not only that, but I'm going to be honest with you with this stretch. You know, it not only that, just trying to get to a bowl game. I mean, like I said, yeah. you know, we're 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 three and two. And, you know, our, that Navy game is really annoying because it should be 4-1 and,
2: and and feel
5: really good about a bowl game. But, you know, like I said, you know, the, these next three games and th- these next five games are really going to tell the tale of this season of uh, if we're going to have a chance to compete for a conference championship, if we're going to try to be sneaking into a bowl game at the end of the year, or if we're going to have a bowl game wrapped up, uh, you know, going into the last couple games and trying to, to get into the conference championship game. Like I said, in it? To me, the stretch run of the season, and, you know, we're at the halfway point this week, but the stretch run of the season really begins this week. Hard to believe we're at the halfway point. When you
1: look at this game, uh, no kidding, Um, I think you're having four straight home games, and you really made it go by in a blur, uh, it seems. But uh, as far as this Tulane team and how good are they – and we we talk about them, the votes they're getting, four and one, um, being ranked thirty-five, if you will, according to those uh, points received in the polls. But uh, I think this would be this would be definitely one of the best. Um, maybe it's right there at the top as far as um, best win that Coach Houston has had at East Carolina, if if we're able to take care of business.
5: Yeah, you know, I had not thought about it, but yeah, that that's that's true. I mean, you you look at the uh, the Memphis game and the Marshall game, so. Yeah, I would say uh, this would be right up there with those, if not better than both of those. So, uh, no doubt, yeah, the, this would be a huge win. Uh, I know you, people are going to find that. You just when you when you hear t- particularly, and hey, look, people need to remember this also. Tulane had been good until last year. They had really been under the, on the rise right. under Coach Fritz, and last year was just a disaster. They had coaching changes in in assisted coaching positions. They had lost a couple of coordinators. And then the hurricane came and screwed their whole season up. They had to move operations to Birmingham, and, and they were just off kilter. And
1: yeah, um, they've been to three straight bowl games, which is the school yeah, record.
5: Yeah. So Coach Fritz knows what he's doing. He was hired at the same time Scotty Montgomery was hired, so he's been down there since uh, since 2016. Now, that's hard to believe, but uh, you know, so he he's well into having his program established.
1: Um, Kyle do, you think, Kyle, do you think Jeffrey Jeffrey C uh, considered hiring Coach Fritz? I don't think Jeff Confer knew <laughs> Willie
5: Fritz.
1: I don't think he didn't Conferno, know who he was. Yeah, he didn't even know
5: who the hell he was. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't even get me started on that, moron. The, the people he turned down for this job, um, or didn't even consider for this job to, uh, Jesus Christ, what a complete we did-
2: you know, Kyle, we could do uh, just what you told us. You could, we could do a whole show um, on all the people that he didn't know, didn't interview, didn't Shane Beamer. Well, the people he
5: tried, the team tried team. to get that we know tried to get the job, Shane Beamer. Uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Sean Elliott down at Georgia State, who's struggling this year, but had taken them to, has taken them to several bowl games. Um, Brady Hoke, San Diego State, coming off an eleven win season last year. Dave Boston. Uh, the, well, no, no, that wasn't. Clawson was at Wake Forest at that point. You're getting. Oh, that's right.
2: You're talking about Terry Holland. Yeah, yeah that was,
5: uh, that was Holland. That uh, That's that's a whole other story. But, um, and you can't argue with the decision Holland made. But, uh, no, uh, Jeff Confer was a complete idiot. And there's, I mean, I hate to even bring him up. But, uh, yeah, when you, when you look at the hire Tulane made, hiring Willie Frist from Georgia Southern, and the job he's done down at Tulane, and what we did hiring Scotty Montgomery. I mean, it was just completely idiotic, and he had done. Willie Fritz had done such a great job at Tulane, excuse me, at Georgia Southern, and before that, uh, was it Sam Houston State? I believe he was at. So um, he's he's won everywhere he's been.
3: Hey Dave, can we do a where are they now, and we could do a focus on uh, Jeff Confer.
5: He's in Chicago. Um, Last I heard, working for some.
2: What is he? Some company out in out in the Midwest. He's actually. Really, Bubba, you just lit the fire, Craig just said,
5: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, where are they now on a lot of other people? Well, let's not do Jeff Confer. Let's why not? Him.
2: Confer look, if we could get Confer on. Oh if Confer, the if interview Confer... would last the
5: interview would last 30
2: seconds. Why but, is that? Uh, why is that? Oh,
5: because I'd come at him with really hard questions and he would just sign up. <laughs>
1: I'm not gonna come on your show and be disrespected. Exactly.
5: <laughs> well, we get well. We get Shelly on. Just do you see what Shelly's up to these days?
2: I know what she's up to. She's actually oh, yeah? the sales manager for Curtis Media Group in the oh wow. tremendous. That's good, yeah. for Shelley. I'm glad she actually know. she actually was very. I will I will give her credit. She's actually been very nice to me on when we were doing the concerts and stuff. So I have to say that um, I don't think she knows well, trying what to get
5: money from you, Dave.
2: I know that, but I still. Uh, I, I mean, I'll be nice to
5: you if, if I'm trying to get
2: money out of you. You're gonna be nice to me.
5: Yeah, if I'm gonna try to get money out of you, sure, I can be nice to you. If the, you know, if you're gonna give me money, I mean, she's fake. She's fake, and you know, she she was horrible at her job, also.
2: Well, my my biggest thing is uh, Matt. Whenever um, they were spending lots of money, uh, basically one the one thing that the first thing that we said whenever John Gilbert came in, the reason he was going to have a difficult job as director of athletics and Ryan Robinson was the budget was horrendous. I mean, they were spending like nobody's business, especially like on (laughs) drinks and uh, desserts uh, there. Was it in Florida? One of the bowl games. Um, I remember back several years ago. So anyway.
5: Craig wants me to have a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, Craig, Craig, I'm about to go through chemotherapy, my friend. I don't need anything <laughs> to raise my blood pressure, yes. and you're trying to get uh, you're trying to get that ass hat from UCF on again, and uh, Jeff Confer. I mean, that my God, old that, old was, great.
2: that Kyle, was great.
3: Kyle would be great in like a first take style show. Like, I want to see Kyle with yeah, Stephen A. a Smith. And I want to see Kyle with Stephen A. I, I think oh, I he would not have good. a prayer. Skip Bayless. that Oh, Skip Bayless. He's he's, he's a tough he's a tough one. Uh, but I would pay money. Shannon I would pay money to see Kyle go head-to-head with Stephen A.
5: I think it'd be better. I think better money sent would be me going head-to-head with that pencil-neck geek, by Feinbaum.
3: Actually,
2: <laughs> I, I like Paul Feinbaum. So. Uh,
5: Paul, Paul Feinbaum's got a face made for radio, and somebody decided to put him on TV. Uh, I've never seen such a mouthy little pencil neck geek in my life. I can't stand him. Um, To me, he's the antithesis of uh, Tim Brando, who to me was the best in that format. Oh, wow. He's retired, so, you know, he just does games on Fox. But uh, had some integrity and went after the SEC in Alabama when they shut down UAB football, and that kind of did him in with CBS and the SEC. So um, I respect Brando for that a lot.
2: No, when it comes to between uh, Brando, Timmy B is my, like, he was the real deal and uh, my favorite. But as far as uh, Feinbaum, Feinbaum came on a show. I was doing a political show back in 2015, and uh, he was fantastic. Because the host of the show and he are very good friends. But uh, what
5: what did he have to do with political discussion is what I'm asking.
2: um, He came on, we were talking, uh, both of us... uh, all three of us love football, so he came and actually talked football. It was even though it was kind of a
5: okay.
2: off the rails kind of interviews. Um, it was not politics, um, yes. but anyway, um, he's available anytime. We could Hey, uh, Matt, how much money do you think we can make if we could get uh, Paul Feinbaum? We got oh, Paul not coming on
3: this show. I, I um, can make it happen. It would make be it legendary. happen. Get him up here. It would be absolutely legendary. <laughs>
5: let's get, get let, let's get his thoughts and opinions on east carolina and then we'll all
1: go off on him but kyle uh, craig says in all serious in all seriousness uh he, you know I, I love you kyle and i know you'll crush chemo always thinking about you my friend
5: yeah i appreciate that uh craig i hope chemo crushes the the, the remaining cancer cells and uh and i and just get done with all this crap and get it behind me um I'm sick of it and I hadn't even got started with chemo yet. Yeah. By the way, uh, guys, I get my port put in tomorrow. So another surgery. Hooray! Because I got an open wound still healing from the last one that was Staples opened up on. And I get to go to the surgery center tomorrow and get a chemo port put in. So uh, more surgery. Woohoo!
2: Hey, um, one step at a time, my friend. And uh, yeah. it's going to be all good. It's going to be all good. I. Uh, <sighs> How about Brandon? Speaking of UCF, they play SMU tomorrow night. Chris, that's, that's, that's correct. Um,
5: I uh, that that should be an interesting ball game. SMU's got some. They they lost a lot of close games. They played relatively well, but apparently they had quite a few players that are not happy and are opting out for the remaining for the remainder of the season after playing four games.
1: They're like uh, Houston back in Holgerson's what first year second yes, year yeah first year.
3: So that's a, that's a, I read that article, Kyle, and I was kind of I was confused by it because the headline of the article said something like you know multiple players from from SMU or tr- you know hitting the transfer portal, blah blah blah. And then I read the article, and they only mentioned two names. So I, I don't know if it was just like <laughs> one of those. It was like Last it was, multiple. It was like yeah, it was like bait and switch. Like they kind of put you in. I, I mean, when I saw the the headline, I'm thinking this is like five, five or to six, seven guys, yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, maybe they just didn't know the rest of the names. But um, I didn't read the article. Were that they key contributors, line. Matt? Key contributors, Bubba. Key contributors. I uh, I don't think so. Um, I think they were guys that were um, uh, had been getting more playing time in the past, but this year they weren't getting as much. Um, okay. And they probably just they probably just said to hell with it. We're getting out of here. Okay. okay. Uh, a bunch of crap with the title. I should have read the article.
1: So, so it wasn't really a deal like D'Eric King where where it was just a, a matter of him, you know, seeking greener pastures and a better opportunity, um, you know, as opposed to Dana Holgerson's offense in, in that initial year.
3: Doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. But, again, the article was kind of, you know, it really didn't give you much. Um, but I'll tell you, guys, looking at that game tomorrow, that that's a tough one. I don't know what the line is on that game. I'd be curious to know because that, to me, that's a – I would say it's a pick em. Just, just right off the bat. Um, I don't even it's
1: know. In, what- it's in um, Orlando, so I'm pretty sure. I think sure. it was
5: UCF minus – I want to say two and a half, but I might be out of my mind.
1: I'm double-checking it right now, but, yeah, I want to say UCF was somewhere in three- to five-point favorite. Uh
3: yeah, that makes sense. They, they, it,
1: you know. it's UCF by three.
3: Okay. No. So, yeah, essentially a pick-em um, advantage to the home team. That makes sense. What's yeah. the line? Is it still three for um, Tulane? I, I saw three. Yeah, it's earlier. Green Wave
1: by three, and the over-under is 53, and that's something that James Cutler also brought up, just saying that he feels like it'll be a pretty low-scoring game. And, and uh, so, James, the over-under is 53.
5: Yeah, I saw three and a half earlier, Bubba. We're probably looking at different spots. But uh yeah, the over under at fifty three. Um you know, I don't know. Um I I I hmm, that sounds about right. I don't know if I take the over or the under. Can you can you call it even? <laughs> I mean uh, that that sounds about right. I, I would you know, I 21 type ballgame.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it could go either way, but uh, i definitely like to see UCF take that loss.
2: Oh, yeah.
5: I, I don't. I want them rolling when they come into Doughty cookland and then uh, us give them their first loss in conference play.
2: I think we're – yeah, and that's the thing is that, you know, when you hear the coach speak of uh, one game at a time, um, that's what Kyle was talking about, the uh, the conference schedule now. And, of course, you have to throw in um, BYU in the mix that, man, that's going to be uh, – it's going to be a heck of a ride. But don't you think, guys, though, that the great thing about it is now when uh, we have games like this and we have a program that Houston's building up, that it's excitement every week now. Again, where before it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to lose. We're going to play Tulane. And how much are we going to lose by this week? That's the way it was under, you know, the Mo era. Now it's like it's excitement every single week, at least it is for me.
5: Yeah, I mean, you you don't expect to lose. You you go into a lot of games expecting to win, or at least having a chance to win, yeah. and uh, that's how I feel about this two lane game. Um, you know, I, I I won't say I one one hundred percent expect to win like I did against South Florida last week, but uh, I definitely expect us to have a chance to win the game. And uh, you know, I, I don't know that this is our best matchup. Um, I don't you know, there's some things about two offense that I don't particularly like the way we match up with them, um, but uh, it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I guess their starting quarterback is supposed to be back this week, guys.
1: It's, it appears that way. It's not set in stone. But, um, you know, Corey said that they're being pretty cautious with him. But um, Michael Pratt will likely be available. And uh, the guy to keep an eye on, I'll tell you what, uh, he has about, I want to say it's 450 yards of offense so far and seven touchdowns and he's their leading rusher and leading receiver and really taking on a greater receiving role as we discussed with Corey over the last two to three weeks. And that's Ty J Spears. Uh, not only does he run extremely well, you know, he, he changes directions. um uh, I mean, tremendously well, and it's very, ta- very tough to tackle in the open field. Uh, so keep an eye on Ty J Spears this weekend. If the Pirates can do a, good job of minimizing his production then they'll have an excellent chance to win the game
3: yeah Bubba you took the words right out of my mouth with that one Spears is tremendous he is he's quick he's tough not the biggest guy but uh he's a gamer and if we don't wrap up to your point you know I think I'm I guarantee that's a huge message uh in the defensive room this week is just wrapping up this guy because he's uh He's the type of guy he can break tackles, and before you know it, he's off to the house. So, um, you know, he's a tremendous player.
2: And
1: something else, Dave, very quickly before we wrap things up, in a moment, Tyne and Forbush mentioned a little scheduling news, and we were missing an FCS opponent for 2024, and that will be Norfolk State. But what I'm waiting on is for that 2025 season, the Pirates have road games at NTC,
5: yeah, what Bubba was saying before he cut out there is uh, the Pirates have. they'll uh,
1: come breaking. to. You.
5: Bubba, you're, you're breaking up bad, but what, you, what, what Bubba was saying was uh, we have road games at NC State and Marshall that year. And uh, we, we need two opponents for 25. Um, and uh, one of them would be an FCS. The other one will be a home and home. Probably for twenty five and twenty nine. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Like Bubba was going to say who that opponent will be. Um, uh, coach, or coach uh, Gilbert indicated that we were working on a home and home. Um, he also did something in some interview that hinted at maybe an interesting opponent, not 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 somebody you would ex- expect. So uh, I'm I'm quite anxious to find out who it's going to be. Uh, that home and home uh, for twenty five and twenty nine.
2: Yeah, Justin said liberty. You know what? There uh Justin, there's a ton of teams out there. Um, and I wish we could get away from the FCS model. I, I'm not a fan of it, and I've been very clear on that and very consistent on that. I'm not a fan at all. I want to play um we talk everybody about- does it.
5: Everybody does it, Dave. Everybody plays yet. one FCS. I don't it's care. Just- I don't care.
2: It's a, we, a, well done, um, you don't
5: care. I do care.
2: I I don't care about FCS and I like playing I, FCS.
5: towards ball eligibility, baby.
2: Yep, and uh, it's going to matter since we're scheduling wait for it, we're scheduling past 2024 and if we ever have a magical season, that will come into the mix that we play to FCS opponent. Actually, uh, everybody else does it, Dave.
1: As far as that's concerned, uh, odds are it would work in our favor because that's one one less um, competitive game that we would have to win, and with the way it's set up now. But what if it comes down to, comes down to, to the street? This, I, mean. I understand that, but I'm just saying if we win the American, if we're good enough to win the American, uh, the odds are, you know, we'll be in a position where, where that won't matter. And in fact, you know, work to our advantage.
5: Find me find me a group of five, a school, Dave, that doesn't do that, that we're, that we're going to have to have a better resume than that played four power five opponents and beat them all and went undefeated. And uh, and and then and then get back to me because everybody does
2: it. I don't. Hate I know anything. that, but that's a that's like that's a terrible terrible. Well, you're never going to Everybody, it's, does, it. It's, everybody it's, does it, so we should. That's exactly who we need to be. We don't need to be innovative, creative. We just need to do it because everybody does it. No, like, but it's it is. That's where, for yeah. example, for example, take out the FCS game and give me. The regional rivalries, like we're talking about, just like we can take, we can have the best of both worlds. You have the American TV money, and then we can have, why can't we have Southern Miss on the schedule? A home and home with Southern. Well, we could, uh,
5: maybe we do it in 25 and 29.
2: You know, what about there's so many.
5: Okay. So uh, every year, why everybody else gets an easy win, you, you want us to play North Carolina State, Appalachian State, Marshall, and Southern Miss non conference. That, that's what you want every year plus the conference schedule
2: yeah i have no problem i have confidence in my team absolutely okay. now, if well, if, <laughs> you know, if we i didn't say murders row alabama Clemson i didn't say that i said teams that and that's what the recruits want they want to see they well they're want- not
5: going to get it anywhere else
2: i mean what about what care
5: the recruit about. what the recruits want is money that's what they want they want NIL deals that's what they want
3: Guys, look, I want to I want to see us go a completely different direction. With I know, uh, so I guess Gilbert, know a like Kyle you mentioned. Like he has like a a game that maybe might be a little bit of a surprise, a home and home. I want correct. to see us. I want to see us do something completely different and play a team from out west. You know, the Pac-12, because um, that gives us a chance to increase our brand yep. and sort of attract a new audience. Um, yeah, we're doing I'm that with just, Boise just, and, that, and BYU. Um, yeah, and that's really cool. Like, I, I love that BYU I love matchup. It's, I think it's exciting. It's different. You know, I love the idea of playing, like, a, you know, an Arizona or an Arizona State or, you know, now UCLA. You, you, um, is, is,
5: are you talking about a bye game or a home-and-home?
3: Home? Uh, I, I mean, I obviously prefer a home-and-home. Home. Um, I
5: just don't – got to have interest from them, too. I, I don't know how interested – any of those schools would be in playing a game at East Carolina. I, uh, You know, maybe they would. I don't know. Um, you, you certainly could always try to find out. Uh, reach out to them. Um, a school that I've always had interest in playing, and to me it made a lot of sense at one time because they were recruiting the Carolinas back in the state. Yeah, when, when Coach Bubba was at Colorado State, they were recruiting the Carolinas a lot. And I always thought that was a prime opportunity to get a home-and-home home with Colorado State. Um, and I think they still may be interested in doing that, but, uh, I, you know, um, certainly uh PAC 12 school would be, um, it would give you a uh, name recognition with a power five opponent, but I, I don't know how interested they would be in coming to East Carolina, anybody in the PAC 12, maybe they would. I remember Cal several years ago going to Southern Miss. So, um, yeah, it, it you know, you could try it and uh, and see what happens. I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. I think anytime you can get a name opponent in in Sicklin, um if we can get a home and home out of it, it's a good thing.
2: And I think also our I also uh, guys uh hey Matt, one of your uh going up your what, your neck of the woods. Uh, there's two things. Jay Cutler says Big 10 school. Um Matt loves the Big 10, so any Big 10 school is cool with me. Also um guys, I was even thinking about likes of uh, the 91 season when you have Pitt you have of course they won't play us anymore Virginia Tech you have Syracuse a lot of those teams and um, the Beach Bowl that, that we have natural rivalries with that we did at that time um, that's a and that's those are brand names that in other words we're not trying to I know Pitt won last year with the ACC but it's not again murders row where you're you're ske- scheduling so far up um, that you have no prayer you're just taking the money Um, maybe a couple million dollars or something like that. But I really feel like that scheduling is something that's yet to be desired. I really feel like that there's – I know Brandon put up there, Georgia Tech, James Madison, Vanderbilt, Texas Tech. I mean, I'm happy with all those because the Vanderbilt situation, they are better this year, but they're a team in the SEC that we can definitely, I feel like, competitive and most likely win. I mean, don't you guys think so?
5: Yeah, Vanderbilt would be great if they're interested. I mean, do a home and home with Vandy, fantastic. It, you know, that's the thing right. about Pitt and Syracuse to me that's different now than it was then is they they get all the exposure in the Carolinas they want. Um, they they don't need to play East Carolina because they they're in the ACC, so uh, they still may be interested. Um, but I, I do think that makes it a little bit more difficult now than it used to. But uh, those are all schools that. You know, we, we need a home-and-home home for 25 and 29, and those are all schools we should reach out to, you know, I, I in addition to a lot of the Sunbelt schools.
2: What about, like, Maryland? Rutgers?
1: <laughs> Craig, Craig chimes in says, only if the Whistler doesn't go to the football games. Oh no, Bubba God. wants him to go. Bubba he wants them to go. Amen. <laughs>
3: hey, well, what about uh, – how about this one, Rutgers, guys?
5: You know, Matt, there was some talk about that, um, a lot of speculation – that we were going to do a home and home with Rutgers at one point and it fell apart because something about the buyout, um, it it was a big 10 team that was rumored, uh, Gilbert basically even confirmed it. And, uh, something fell apart with the contract with the buyout. There was a lot of rumors that it was Rutgers. Um, I I don't, I don't know if it was Rutgers or not, if it was Maryland or, or who it was. Um, but yeah, Rutgers is a team that, uh, that you know, I, I think, um, is on the rise. I can tell you this this is a fun fact for you their head coach, um, Greg or Coachiano, uh, his wife is
2: an East
3: Carolina graduate. That's correct. Interesting. I never knew that. Okay.
2: Hey, hey, uh, and guys, that very fact if we play at Rutgers, Matt, can we k- crash you on your couch? I know you're in Connecticut. Oh, but-
3: absolutely, man. Absolutely. We'll hit up New York City, you know, we'll, uh, Get yeah. some Italian restaurants. We'll get Kyle to a Knicks game. Uh,
2: right,
5: it'll be cool.
3: all good.
2: Yeah, Madison Square Garden. <laughs> are you kidding me? That's uh. I mean, why wouldn't you? And, and Kyle, you're a huge concert guy. Sure. I mean, in that building, I mean, can you imagine? Oh,
5: being a, being an MSG to me would would be. It, it, it's not really concert for basketball. Uh, to me, what would be special about being an MSG is oh, its legacy with wrestling, wrestling with. with Bruno San Martino and and Pedro Morales and and you know uh, you know all, all the WWF greats from the seventies and you uh, through the eighties through Hogan, back when MSG used to be, the building WWF ran all their big shows in, uh, before you know they went more national. But uh, a lot of history in that building was wrestling. Did
2: you hear what I said about Wrestlemania? The first one was there. So.
5: Oh yeah, well of course I know that Hogan uh, Hogan no, and, I know you know, but uh, Hogan and and Mr T versus uh, versus Piper and. Paul Orndorf with Cowboy Bob Orton in the corner. Yeah, WrestleMania 1.
2: And there's a great documentary on AE about that right now. The um, season two of the uh, biographies on wrestling greats. Yeah, if we're
5: going to talk about wrestling biographies, uh, the guys who did Dark Side of the Ring have a uh, new series coming out <laughs> called Tales from the Territories,
2: which oh, uh, I'm cool. looking forward to. I didn't know that. I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, Matt Redmond says schedule two, uh, two Sunbelt schools a year and beat them to demonstrate the superiority. superiority uh, well, you got to beat them
5: first. I mean, uh, you know, there's no guarantee of that. Uh, uh, you know, last time we played a Sunbelt school, um, well, not counting Marshall, they were in Conference USA at the time. But uh, last time we played a Sunbelt that's school was App State, and they beat our oh, ass.
1: That's right. And then also but. Georgia State.
5: Yeah, Georgia State. Yeah, yeah, I'm that's sorry that. you brought that up, Bubba. <laughs> and we do have them on the schedule in coming years. They're coming to Greenville at some point. What year are they coming to Gramble?
2: No one knows. Right. I'm not sure off off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, the Sunbelt the Sun Belt schools are teams that we definitely need to schedule. Uh, regional rivalries, teams that we should be playing. Um, ACC schools, I would argue that some SEC schools that we could uh, that we could definitely play. Um, and and yes, um,
1: Old Dominion is in the Sunbelt. <laughs> Sunbelt. Correct. Correct. I forgot about that. All right. Good
5: point. ODU's in the belt. That, yep, ODU's important. in the Sunbelt. Yep. They they joined this year. So uh, technically we did beat our last Sunbelt opponent. Uh,
2: and and that's some people act crazy about that. I think ODU is a uh, had great to have on the schedule. I really do. I I have no yeah, problem. No it.
5: problem playing ODU at all. I think um I think some people were just mad at how many times they were scheduled non conference. Uh, but I have no problem playing them. I, you know, I I would have preferred they got in our conference versus Charlotte.
1: Of course, no doubt. And uh, like like Kyle, uh, you and I have discussed, you know, as far as Old Dominion on the schedule, it kind of depends on what's around it. As as far as other non conference opponents, right?
5: If it's if it's the most appealing non conference game, uh, then it's probably not good. But uh, if it's if it's in the mix, you know, if you got another good game, um, then then it's great. Uh, what's going to be interesting, and we'll, we'll get off the subject. You're ready to close the show out and get predictions for the game, but what's going to be interesting about that 25 game, Bubba, is you know we, we got it. We're going to have an FCS. The other two are road games, like you mentioned, Marshall and NC State. Who is that home team going to be in 25? It's it's going to need to be somebody that's going to sell some tickets.
2: What about UNC? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well,
5: I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think no. they're going to do that. And Gilbert gave a terrible answer uh, yeah. when, when asked on uh, Patrick Johnson show yeah. about uh, about you know do we need to get uh, politics involved and try to force their hand? And his response was he didn't want to do that because he's been on the other side of that.
1: Well, guess uh, what? Yeah, is, and he which, stated all the reasons why they sh- why they shouldn't want to play us.
5: Yeah, I know exactly. And uh, that's the wrong attitude for our athletic director to have. That is not Terry Holland. No, nope. nope. that is not uh, Dave Hart, who I'm not a huge fan of in recent years. But nonetheless, that that is that is a complete wrong, bass, awkward attitude to have as the East Carolina athletic director. And uh, somebody needs to adjust his attitude on that. Uh, some big donor needs to, yeah. needs to tell him he better never hear him say that again.
2: Well, yeah, especially when the fact that you're you're getting a huge salary, five hundred thousand a year. And I'm sorry, I don't have anything personal against Gilbert or Ryan Robinson. Um, I know they're probably a little cool to me right now, and that's okay because I'm honest. But guess what? I'm going to die a pirate. Guess what? Um, when we uh, we used to have a motto, we're going after the best. Not we're going after the FCS. Not we're going to play anybody that's lower than us. Uh, we're going after no, the. To best. me,
5: it's two different arguments. His
2: his his statements
5: on UNC. Uh, if you go back and listen to that interview with with Patrick Johnson from about a month ago, oh, yeah. it was just it was just completely it infuriated me. Bubba, did you ever get your dad to listen to that?
1: No, I intentionally uh, did not tell him about that. Oh, you need to! I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I mean make sure
5: Gary
2: gets Gary, and, uh, Gary Rosenbaum. The next Gary. time
5: Gary gives me a phone call, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make sure Gary gets hold of that interview.
2: Oh my God. Yeah, I can imagine. I remember that. Oh my God, that would be. The problem is the very fact that he comes from Alabama and Tennessee. He needs to go back to those schools because he doesn't care about East Carolina. He can say he does. I'm sorry. People think it's late at night. I'm tired. The problem is that we are big time and I'm sick and tired of hearing about mid-major, this small school with a small town. We almost have a hundred thousand people and he didn't say that, but it's the mindset is the problem. The mindset is off. The mindset needs to be. If you're representing East Carolina and you put that purple and go on, we are top shelf. Well,
5: what you say in when asked about UNC is we want to play them. Uh, we're gonna do anything we can to play them. You know, we hate to get we hate to get the politics involved, but you know, we I do think the to. dynamic is different now because there are so many other FBS schools in the state. Um, but they're they're playing app, uh UNC that is, so they should be playing well, us. And I, um I, you know, if they won't schedule us, I say, you know, I think his answer should be, we don't want to get politics involved. We're going to do everything we cannot do. Exactly. But we would like to play them home and home. And uh, it's it's a benefit to the economy for, for for Chapel Hill and Greenville when East Carolina and North Carolina play. And uh, that's the approach he needs to take. Even if he can't get it done, that's what you say publicly. You, you don't say yeah. things to, to defend UNC. And particularly don't say, well, I don't want to get politics involved because I've been on the other side of that, meaning my guess is when he was at Tennessee or even Alabama. I'm not sure which, but uh, not a fan of that.
2: No, because uh, the very fact that we've got to – we're going to wrap it up, Uh, Bubba, I know, but we've got to have people that have guts. And like I said before, John Gilbert, Ryan Robinson, if you work for East Carolina – study Leo Jenkins, Leo Jenkins. What would Leo do? I Hell tell you, Terry he, Holland Well, that too. But, I'm, but Leo Jenkins, we wouldn't have a med school. We would be UNC at Greenville if it wasn't for that man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But oh, let's just go along, get along. Yes. Let's be UNC Greenville. Um, no. Uh, he said East Carolina University is what we're going to be. He talked about the med school. Um, we're a huge benefit of that, uh, for his leadership and it's a visionary. Let's be that we could go all night. Sorry, Bubba. Um, I didn't plan on going this long, but thanks for, um, Corey glory coming on Kyle, man. We're thinking about you. Appreciate you very much. I'm glad you came on tonight and Matt, uh, man, I know we had a marathon tonight, but I think a lot of people, uh, we still have a lot of people listening and watching. So, uh, appreciate that very much. And anytime you can talk about the pirates, um, you know, Hey, I'm willing to talk about them. So, um,
3: all right, fellas. Well, let's get it done. Let's get it done against Tulane.
2: All right, no, no Keep doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Quick all right, <laughs> Exactly, Matty Ice. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Taking a look at our upcoming programming. Uh, you know, last night we had absolute empowerment with with Coach Jeff Connors, and he had an excellent conversation. Uh, so definitely go back and and check that out. Um, you know, he he caught up with Al Miller. Uh, you know, who is a legendary NFL strength and conditioning coach? He was the strength coach of the year in the NFL back in 2004 and uh, accomplished so many things uh, with various organizations. Also, I believe, spent some time in the college ranks, um, including time at Mississippi State in the early 80s. So, definitely uh, go back and listen to that conversation. It's a, about a lot more than uh, football, strength and conditioning, and talking about life and faith. Obviously, right now you're watching the Pirate Preview. Tomorrow night we'll have Pirate breakdown with Sutton Young as well as Sonny and Semenza. uh, Jason Halter and Matt Semenza will take a look at week six of college football on Thursday night. we will be the inside slant on Friday, a Pirate's life for me. Um, And then on Sunday we'll take a look back at uh, the East Carolina and Tulane game, 3.30 on ESPNU on Saturday afternoon and then uh, on sunday around 7 p.m will be the pirate football playback presented by LNK custom homes and east carolina letter winner kevin walker
2: uh speaking of which thanks kevin for your support of the program with l custom homes appreciate him very much and uh call him at 336-688-8461 he does some amazing work and you get to see the great job he's been building homes i know in the triad area but i'm sure if the price is right, if you got the money, he's got the time. Call him 336-688-8461. How about my good friends? We're going to be there Friday night at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. And uh, hopefully Kyle can come there. We can, uh, we're can. we doing karaoke, Kyle. You can sing some Cody Jinks and um, some Whiskey Myers. Uh, okay. Uh, 805 East Boulevard in Williamson. It was at Captain D's. And uh, they're open 11 to 8 daily. The Holiday Brothers. get Book your party for the holidays. And Kyle, last but not least, our good friends at PGXGloves.com.
5: Yeah, PGXGloves.com. Always the place to go to get yourself some uh, custom gloves for your kids, whatever sport they play, softball, baseball, football, et cetera, et cetera. If you play golf, get yourself some custom golf gloves. Impress everybody on the golf course with your swag. Put in promo code ECU at checkout. Save yourself 25%.
2: All right. Appreciate the sponsors. Appreciate everybody viewing and listening and the Pirate Preview, again, great game on Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Uh, Memphis game is going to be 7.30, by the way, fellas. On... Oh, my
5: God, that's so late.
2: <laughs> I was going to mention that. Uh, we'll talk more about that as the week goes on for sure. All right, for coy Glore, Kyle Barber, Matt Semenza, Bubba Rosenbaum, appreciate you do everything you do for the program, man. Let's get out of here. Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates.
1: Gold. I'm a pirate down of my soul, and I don't back down not at all.
0: Find out when the cannon's explode, from the sidelines down to the post. Put it down like not even close. All out to my last whistle blow for the black, of my soul
1: and my bones. Everybody stand up, get your hands up. That a team knows that we got their back. This is our
4: house, this is our town. our top everyone one nine, copy that. Everybody in the stands, go bananas,
1: scream loud, we don't hold back. Every foot, every guard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the web going like a hurricane.